the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You know, I found out something today that I did not know. The average European American has 0.18% Native American DNA. The average European American has 0.18% Native American DNA. Now, in 1996, the Harvard Crimson referred to Elizabeth Warren as a Native American. And in 1997, a Fordham Law Journal uh, review described her as Harvard, Harvard Law's, quote, first woman of color. She got 0.18 is what they're saying. Probably less than that, to be honest. Um, so why am I bringing this up? Because it's, did you just hear the news? Did you just hear it? First story. You know, Senator, you know, Warren has some DNA of a Native American in her. So that means that she ain't been lying. Can I say that she's been stretching the truth a whole lot? The Boston Globe today, by the way, issued a correction after they inaccurately calculated the percentage of Native American ancestry in Senator Elizabeth Warren's DNA. And, by the way, the DNA test she had doesn't prove in any way, shape, or form, because it's so small, uh, that, uh, you know, she's got any specific Native American tribe in her bloodstream. According to previous reporting, Warren later acknowledged that Harvard has singled her out as a Native American professor because she identified herself as a minority in an Association of American Law Schools directory from 86 to 94. She stopped listing herself as such when she gained tenure at uh, Harvard. Now, you'll remember that Warren has used her high cheekbones and an old story about her parents eloping over issues relating to her mother's Cherokee ancestry as proof of her ancestral claims. By the way, the Cherokee tribe does not accept DNA tests as proof of ancestry. Well, didn't her DNA test didn't prove that she's got Cherokee keep blood in her either. The Globe admitted in a correction today that the uh, upper bound of Warren's Native American ancestry is actually 1 in 1,024. This would make Warren somewhere between 0.09 and 3% Native American. I don't think that makes you Native American. You, you understand what I'm saying? you got to be Got to have more than, I would think, 3% 
Native American DNA to say, you know what, I'm a Native American. If that's the case, then I'm just thinking all of us should have our DNA checked. Because you might, you know, I have a good chance that I'm, uh, got a, a chance that I'm a, a percentage of, uh, of uh, Jew, you know. I got some Jewish blood in me. I'm related to Jesus Christ. Just saying. Just saying. Senator Elizabeth Warren's attempt to fend off critics about her Native American ancestry might not pass the standards used by anthropologists and members of indigenous tribes. The Massachusetts senator and potential 2020 Democratic hopeful released results today of a DNA test conducted by a Stanford University researcher to the Boston Globe that provided evidence that she may, she may, she may, notice it didn't say she did, she may have a Native American ancestor dating back several generations. Yet tests like the one Warren underwent are subject of great controversy, both from scholars and members of federally recognized tribes. Most Native communities don't recognize DNA tests for membership. The Cherokee tribe, for example, requires that an individual identifies at least one direct ancestor in its comprehensive database. Other tribes do require such testing, yet Experts dispute their utility. People think that there's a DNA test that can prove if somebody's Native America, American or not. This is uh, anthropologist Kim Talibert saying there isn't. There's a great desire by many people in the U.S. to feel like you belong to this land. I recently moved to Texas, and many of the white people I meet say, I've got a Cherokee ancestor, she said. Others like Tall Bear, the Canadian Research Chair in Indigenous Peoples, Technoscience, and the Environment are suspicious of DNA tests. I don't want to help them make money doing what I think is stupid science, Tall Bear told the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. And this was back in June. Tall Bear's, uh, or Tall Bear's comments came after a DNA analysis showed that a pet chihuahua showed both the dog and owner shared an identical 20% Native ancestry. Did you hear that? It's a Native American chihuahua, Russ. <laughs> Even in a credible DNA lab, there are problems with using these kinds of tests to determine indigenous affiliation. I'm related to a dog. <laughs> uh, to some natives, the very notion of a DNA test is insensitive. Frank Dupico, a, gen- a geneticist with indigenous heritage, told the San Francisco Chronicle that DNA is, quote, sacred. To us, any part of ourselves is sacred. Scientists say it's just DNA. For an Indian, it is not just DNA. It's part of a person. It is sacred with deep religious significance. It is part of the essence of a person. So evidently, Warren may have opened up another box 
Pandora's box by bringing this all up. When you're when you're saying that you're Native American and you're probably less than point nine or even lesser at one of one thousand twenty fourth, I would say that you don't uh, you don't go about bragging about your high cheekbones. Just say it. Just say it. All right. So I hope that we can put that to bed some. Over the weekend, fresh office's appearance of the season as President Trump on uh, SNL. Actor Alec Baldwin headlined the New Hampshire Democratic Party's inaugural Eleanor Roosevelt dinner Sunday at the Manchester Downtown Hotel. So he's speaking to this crowd, and here's here's some things that he said. I hope to be able to find some sound on this by tomorrow. Quote, the way we implement change in America is through elections, Baldwin said. In that orderly way, we need to overthrow the government of the United States under Donald Trump. Not in a violent, awful way, but it must be overthrown nonetheless. Let's make America great again by making Donald Trump a casino operator again. And Baldwin won an Emmy Award last year for his mocking impersonation of Trump on NBC's SNL. He did not appear as Trump in Manchester. At the uh, cocktail party before this event, I learned two things about people from this area. I heard from some that my great-great-grandfather came from Scotland. The other half came from Massachusetts. What? No Native American blood in Baldwin? Uh, The other thing I was told is half of the seats in this room are from the House delegation, and that's amazing. Sunday's event was previously known as the Jefferson Jackson Dinner before being switched in 2016 to the uh, Clinton Dinner, the national controversy over sexual harassment, fueled by the hashtag MeToo movement earlier this year, prompted uh, the latest uh, name change to the uh, Eleanor Roosevelt dinner, which was then held Sunday night. New Hampshire Democrats have come under fire from Republicans recently for having Baldwin serve as keynote speaker at the dinner. Following Baldwin's remarks, the actor said during a brief question and answer session with reporters, he still has a hard time believing Trump is in office. For me, every day I wake up, I still am horrified. Okay, so let's let's consider for a moment what he's horrified about. We've got the lowest unemployment since 1969. We've got a... Uh, Wall, uh, Wall Street that's cooking in a positive way. Had a little downturn over the week. Was up uh, by 2% by the weekend. And uh, manufacturing is up. And we can go on and on. There's a lot of things to be happy about. But he's horrified. America is really succeeding 
And Baldwin is horrified. I feel like I'm in some dream where Trump is the president. In New York, Donald Trump is not a punchline. He's not a joke. He is nothing. He went on a TV show for many years and convinced middle America that he was this crack businessman. The dinner featured comments from several Democratic candidates running for office, as well as prominent New Hampshire Democrats, including U.S. Senator uh, Jeannie Schein and Maggie Hansen. We win because we know how to win, said New Hampshire Democrat Party Chairman Ray Buckley. The reason is grassroots and, of course, serious brainwashing. That's the reason New Hampshire Democrats led the nation in increased Democratic turnout in 14 and 16, and we're going to do it again in 18. So anyway, it goes on to talk about how the lady, the Democrat running for office, is going to be a great, great governor. All right, first break of the uh, of the show for today, Applied Research still have their clinical research studies going on exploring the safety and effectiveness of investigational drugs in patients with various different ailments like diabetes, acne, asthma, low testosterone, overactive bladder, kidney stones, pediatric irritable bowel syndrome, and others. You can go to their website, ARC Arkansas, that's ARCArkansas.com, and uh, pull down on each one of these different studies they're doing, and it'll give you all the rundown of how you can participate, what you have to do to qualify, and give you an area to uh, answer questions and ask questions. And then you should talk to them about it if you want to get involved. You'll be given the medicine, or you might be given, you know, the sugar pills, and uh, see how uh, you do. This is all about the last step in making these different medicines uh, ready to go to the market. Again, go to ARCArkansas.com, ARCArkansas.com. There is some uh, compensation for each of these studies. Uh, ARCArkansas.com will share that with you, or you can just call 501-954-7822. Hey, we're on uh, Facebook Live. Go to go to uh, Facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show. And I, just before I read going to read this article here because it's i swear people have lost their evan loving minds have you seen the picture of the winner of the women's world championship in cycling event that was held over the weekend russ is she german no no does she look like a german from the 1970s olympics no looks like a a man because that's what it is. It's a she man. She looks like a German from the seventies yeah. Olympics, or a Chinese from the swimming team from the eighties. That's right? true. They got these two women standing on a podium who look like women, with a guy who identifies as a woman who won it. Let me just read this to you. Yesterday, two women competing in the women's sprint thirty-five to thirty-nine age bracket. At the 2018 UCI Masters Track Cycling World Championships in L.A., 
wound up finishing second and third, losing to a biological male Canadian professor who identifies as a woman. Rachel McKinnon, an assistant professor of philosophy at the College of Charleston, celebrated the victory on Twitter. So I'm a world champion. After being slammed by critics following his victory, McKinnon furiously responded on Twitter. Oh, he's upset. He's really upset. Here's what he had to say, Russ. Lots of transphobic bigots are responding to my world championship win, saying that next up we'll take up the Paralympics. Hey, women, do you realize that all of these people, many of them women, are comparing you to a disabled person, right? No, they're not, you numb nuts. They're comparing you to a mental Paralympian. To a mental disabled person. That's what you are. Women equal disabled men, they think. No. <laughs> no. You're a man who thinks he's a woman and thinks that makes it okay that you won. That you won this uh, championship. Most ridiculous thing I can um, unbelieve. McKinnon finished ahead of Carolyn Van Heeren. Poison of the Netherlands and American cyclist Jennifer Wagner to take home the gold. Last January, USA Today quoted McKinnon railing, absolutely railing against any requirement that would force men to have to suppress their testosterone in order to enter a woman's event. McKinnon stated, quote, we cannot have a woman legally recognized as a trans woman in society and not be recognized that way in sports. Focusing on performance advantage is largely irrelevant because this is a rights issue. We shouldn't be worried about trans people taking over the Olympics. We should be worried about their fairness and human rights instead. Holy cow. This guy teaches a class, by the way, on ethics and inclusion. Ethics. Compared criticism of the victory to racism, adding this is bigger than sports. It's about human rights. That's unethical. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. We live in a fallen society. Hi, my name is Susie. Here we go. News. All right, uh, if you got the ability to work with your hands. See, that's something <laughs> that I really don't have. I am not mechanically mind, you know, minded or or you know, carpentry minded or anything of of that of that kind of thing. Uh but I know a lot of people that are and you know what? I kind of envy those those folks, but uh if you have if you can work with your hands, if you like to work outside, uh, if you want to get on the ladder of success, do so with PI Roofing. Uh, PI Roofing and Home Solutions is expanding their operations department to better serve their customers as they grow. Uh, you can go build your future with them. PI Roofing and Home Solutions has career opportunities in commercial roofing, residential roofing, and uh, home solutions, all in their service uh, decisions uh, uh, divisions pardon me let's 
to make a difference together, Jill Johnson says. You join up with them, and you can make up to $20 an hour. Now, that ain't chicken feed. You make 20 bucks an hour, you're going to do pretty doggone good. Let's make a difference. Apply at piroofing.com. That's piroofing.com. Or just give them a call, 501-707-3551. They're looking for people right now. Back to this guy who calls himself Rachel McKinnon, says he's a woman. He's biologically a man, hasn't had any kind of transition, uh, you know, surgery or anything like that. Uh, Another transgender woman. Well, before I get to that, during the break, I shared this with you. Um, I shared with our Facebook Live folks. And I was sitting here and McKinnon makes this stupid argument. I mean, something that's apples and oranges, right? Makes it this, this, this is bigger than sports and it's about human rights. By catering to cisgender people's views, cisgender is like maybe you and, and definitely me. You know, used to be they call somebody like me straight. All right. You know, I'm a, I'm a male lesbian. All right. I love women. Okay, so I'm cisgender, basically. I love women. Lemon, uh, women who love uh, uh, men are cisgender from the other direction. And he says uh, that this furthers transgender people's oppression. When it comes to extending rights to a minority population, why would we ask the majority? You know, Why don't we just ask the majority of doctors who will tell you even today when they look into uh, the journals for psychiatry and stuff will tell you it's a mental problem. It's a serious mental problem. And uh, he went went on. Now, here's here's where he makes the, 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 the argument that's apples and oranges. I bet a lot of white people were pissed off when we desegregated sports racially and allowed black people uh, to compete. But they had to deal with it. Okay, I I want all of you that are watching, uh, I can't ask you to do this if you're driving your car because I'm going to ask you to close your eyes. So don't close your eyes if you're driving. But if, if you're watching on Facebook Live, close your eyes right now and think that you're black. Look, I'll give you a few moments. Close your eyes and think really, really hard and think that you're black. Get ready, get set, go. Okay, now folks watching on Facebook Live right now have their uh, eyes closed and they're thinking that they're black. Okay, open your eyes. Are you black? Is your skin black? Or are you still a white person? Still a white person or an Asian person or you're, uh, you know, Indian or whatever. And we all, all know what that is. It's because biologically, you're not a black person. You're born black. 
That's what your DNA says. Okay? So it doesn't matter if if you think you're a woman, if you're a man, you're still a man biologically. And I don't care if you snip off your your twig and your and your berries. You're still a man. The way I would tell you how you know that is that talk to anthropologists, ask them if they buried you and you decompose and all they find is your skeleton. What are they going to say you were? Biologically, they're going to say you were a man. Your skeletal remains will say you were a man. Not a woman. Same thing if you're a woman and you say you're a man. And testosterone has a lot to do with a man and muscle mass and the way your skeleton is devised on how you're able to defeat when you get in and uh, and and uh, compete with women. Another transgender woman who doesn't think uh, that said, I'm a man, her name is Jillian Bearden, who asked McKinnon to leave Bearden's cycling team back in 2017. Why? Quote, I've proven how powerful testosterone is from when I competed. As a male. Because she kept getting her butt kicked. It doesn't mean specifically that the more testosterone you have, the stronger you have, but the hormone provides a certain stamina that continues to charge you. It gives you that edge of pushing power. So McKinnon, who was a man, saying that he was a woman, was asked to leave a cycling team of women who were identifying as men, saying that um, they couldn't beat men. And would tell us that McKinnon was probably one of their strongest uh, racers. So anyway... We'll just leave it at that. I want to look up uh, Jennifer Wagner uh, of America, see if there's anything that I can find what she had to say after you know, she finished third. Uh, the lady who finished uh, second in Netherlands, after busting their butts, training hard as they could, they had their golds and their silvers stripped from them because they allowed a man who identified as a woman compete against them. Wait a second. They had their medal stripped because the organization allowed a man to compete against these two women? Yeah. The organization let this guy get in and And so they took the medals away from the two women who actually got second and third. That's, yeah, they got second and third, so they... They, they lost a gold and a silver. That's what happened. So uh, the Netherlands woman got a silver because she would, would have been first without the guy being in the race, and the lady from uh, the United States got a, got a cop, or a cop, or got a, uh, a bronze. 
Oh, now I see what you're saying. I thought you said that, that the organization took no, the medals away from them. all the no, all three winners. Away. No, no, they get, they all got their medals. McKinnon but got his gold by fact by by fact of reason that the man won the race. The two women didn't get what they they had deserved. coming. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just completely ridiculousness. I mean, really ridiculous. Women want to men. Unfortunately, you know, I can see it. The I, I can see it. The reverse order: women competing against the men in the men's sport because North Little Rock had a girl kicking for them. Now, that's on high school on high school football. That's different. That's different. If she wants to do that, that's that's well and good. I don't have any problem with that. Doesn't say that girls can't play high school football. Uh, you know, she wants to come over and play. She can play, but no problem with that. But she is known as a girl. You know, she doesn't have to say, "Well, I think I'm a girl, so now I want to be your kicker." You know, she's qualified to be able to kick the ball, do well. There's a girl here in the United States right now. One girl in the whole United States playing high school football that uh, is a good soccer kicker. I mean, girls soccer. You know, that's a good example. Not a lot of women's football, you know, that they go out and play, unless they're playing in lingerie, and that's on the Internet. Know what I'm saying? It's just crazy. It's crazy. I'm not getting into that with you. Okay, but, I mean, this is a guy wanting to compete against women. And it's and uh, he's, because he's too sissy to compete against the men. Because he get his butt kicked. If he had to go up against a whole bunch of men, now if he wants to be a woman, and because he's got X amount of uh, testosterone in his bloodstream, then well and good. And if he can win, then he can win. But I'm just telling you, doubt if he's going into the male locker room dressed as a woman. Probably wouldn't get to come out. With his twig and berries. Just saying. Just saying. I just know I, look, if I, I played sports for years. I know you played sports as well. If some guy came in wearing lipstick, rouge, a dress, trying to look like a woman in, my, in the locker room that I was in. One of two things is going on. <laughs> Either A, he's decided to play for the other team, yeah. or B, it's the guy's day to dress up as the girls and go, and they're usually doing it as part of a, a stunt for the for homecoming week or something, something stupid like, like that. Something like that, yeah. Or you're being, uh, the seniors on the football team are telling all the freshmen they got to dress like girls. You know, that kind of stuff. Initiation stuff. Anyway. Yeah, we can't get away with that anymore now. I know. I I understand. I understand. The wussification of America continues. This continues. Let's get a break in. When we come back, Ben Shapiro joins us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Finish up this first hour with one of my favorite buddies, Ben Shapiro. Ben's been on my show uh, for a long time, from the moment he wrote his first uh op-ed at 16 uh, to just a few uh, months ago. Uh, it's harder to get him on the air than it used to be, but when we can, we get him on. We get to 
get a piece of his audio on today from a video that he cut. Here's the 10 reasons to vote Republican in November, according to Ben. And vote Republican. The 2018 election is just 22 days away. It's pretty close. Republicans have gained ground in the Senate over the last couple of weeks. In the House, however, Republicans still trail badly. A new CNN poll has Republicans down 13 points in the generic congressional ballot. And even the more optimistic Economist poll has them down six. All of this should motivate you to get out and vote. Because... If Democrats win the House and the Senate in 2018, conservatives should be prepared for an all-out assault on their values and an assault on President Trump from a media that makes the last two years look like child's play. Here are 10 reasons you should get out and vote on November 6th and vote Republican. Number one, the courts, obviously. For generations, the left has stacked the courts with judicial activists determined to read their priorities into the law by twisting the Constitution Beyond recognition, President Trump and Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell have successfully remade the federal judiciary by appointing and confirming judges dedicated to the proposition that the Constitution must be read as it was written. If Democrats somehow win back the Senate, they will hold open every single judicial seat, hoping a Democrat takes the White House in 2020. Then they'll go right back to rigging the judicial branch, using it as a club with which to destroy constitutional rights and traditional values. Reason number two, the investigations. Get ready, gang. Democrats have already pledged investigations into every aspect of President Trump's life. They will subpoena every member of government they can get their hands on. And we know they don't really care about guilt or innocence. After all, they just tried to railroad a federal judge by claiming, without corroborating evidence, that he was an alleged gang rapist. In fact, Democrats have already pledged to launch another investigation into Justice Kavanaugh, hoping to undo the results of that confirmation vote. If you enjoyed the disgusting spectacle of Democrats trying to destroy due process of law, get ready for a lot more. Number three, impeachment. While Democratic leadership has been kind of lukewarm on the idea of impeaching President Trump, the base is not going to settle for anything less if the Democrats take the House of Representatives. They will demand that Trump be impeached for any reason whatsoever. And then they'll push the narrative that corrupt Republicans don't care about the rule of law. Now, it's just possible that Democrats could create a backlash that helps President Trump, that voters react to impeachment by supporting him. But that is a risky proposition at best. Number four, the economy. President Trump's chief selling point in his re-election effort will be the economy, obviously. And Democrats are dedicated to stifling economic growth if it means stopping President Trump. They will hold up budgets. They will blow out spending. They will push for harsh anti-business regulation. They'll kill the predictable pro-business climate President Trump has carefully crafted. The stock market will tumble as Wall Street begins to price in the effect of democratic governance. And businesses will start to sock away capital again to prepare for the possibility of a unified democratic government that could enter Washington in 2020. Number five, foreign policy. President Trump's administration has done a terrific job of drawing us closer to our allies and throwing a scare into our enemies. He's done so because Republicans in Congress are willing to bolster our defense spending as necessary. The same is not true of Democrats, who would immediately move to cut defense spending, signaling to the world that President Obama's weak-kneed foreign policy is back. Democrats would also attempt to undermine sanctions against the Iranian regime in keeping with Obama-era foreign policy. Sixth. 
Get ready for polarizing culture wars. We've already seen the Democrats suggest that mob politics is the new normal. We've seen the Democrats capitalize on racial issues to polarize the country. We've seen them try to divide Americans by class and sex, too. With the platform of Congress, look for Democrats to attempt a series of divisive maneuvers intended to relaunch those culture wars in new and frightening ways. Seventh, attacks on religious liberty. President Trump has been stalwart in his defense of religious liberty. Democrats will be just as stalwart in their attacks on religious liberty. They're surely going to attempt to push so-called anti-discrimination laws directed at religious businesses, churches, and schools. And then they will dare President Trump to veto those laws so they can claim that he and all Republicans are bigots. Eight, the twisting of social media. Now, Democrats have made a habit of threatening our biggest social media companies with investigations and regulations should they fail to crack down on conservative perspectives. Democrats, angry as all hell that Hillary Clinton lost in 2016, blamed companies like Facebook for so-called fake news and attributed Hillary's utter incompetence to the impact of Russian bots. Democrats don't actually believe any of that, but they've frightened social media companies into cracking down on free speech as a leaked report from Google to Breitbart News showed this week. Social media companies are deeply afraid of Democrats punishing them for failing to target conservatives. Don't be surprised if those social media companies escalate their efforts to do just that. Nine, radical growth of the Democrat media complex. Listen, we already know that the mainstream media institutions are dominated by Democratic supporters. And we know that those Democratic supporters will parrot pretty much any talking points the Democratic Party pushes out. But... With Democrats in power, pushing every line of attack simultaneously, the media's never-ending fire hose of anti-conservative propaganda will merely widen the nozzle. If you're worried about media bias now, wait until Democrats control Congress and put President Trump in their sights with the power of law. Tenth, mob rule. Democrats believe they have to lash out in anger in order to win in 2018. If they do win, they'll double down on that anger, hoping it carries them to victory in 2020. Did you like those mobs invading the Senate and the steps of the Supreme Court? Are you enjoying top Democratic officials nodding and smiling at crowds harassing Republicans in restaurants? Get ready for much, much more. The only way to shut down the Democrats' new mob rule strategy is to stop them cold at the ballot box. In 2016, Hillary Clinton lost the presidency because Democrats didn't show up to vote. They simply assumed she'd sweep to victory. They were wrong. Today, Republicans feel optimistic after the confirmation of Brett Kavanaugh, which is understandable. I do too. But that optimism should not blind us to the importance of voting on November 6th. This Democratic Party is more radical than ever. They've embraced a nastier vision of politics than ever. But that does not mean they are fated to lose. Your vote matters. Your vote counts. Get out there on Election Day and ensure that the Democratic Party of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer and Hillary Clinton aren't allowed anywhere near the levers of power. It's been an honor and a pleasure being with you on the Fox News airwaves over the last month. Thank you for your viewership. And remember, the fight for America's future is never over. There you go. It's never over. He's exactly right. Time for the news. We'll be back after it's over. Let's move into the uh, second hour. Conduit News joins us. Uh, Brenda and Joe both have uh, things to do with their jobs. So uh, Josh is going to join us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, Josh, how are you today? Hey, Dave, I'm doing really good. How are you doing today? I'm, I'm doing fantastic, feeling a little bit waterlogged, but other than that, doing well. I don't know if it's been raining in northwest Arkansas like it has here in the central part of the state, 
but it has literally been pouring most of the day, and it is cold. What's the temperature where you're at right now? Dave, I think it's about 40 degrees here. I woke Woo! up this morning, the wind chill was in the 30s, so it, it winter is coming. Yeah, um, <laughs> not not just for Game of Thrones either. So uh, <laughs> here it's about 48 degrees, so it's feeling chilly here, but you guys are downright cold up there. Yeah, I <clears throat> um, saw it last night, you know, on the weather saying it was going to, a cold front was moving through, and sometimes you question whether the weatherman gets it right, but he got this one right. It is it is definitely getting cold up here uh, in northwest Arkansas. Wow, they got it They got it right like they have global warming, huh? Well, <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> Let's talk about a lot of different things. You were at a conference over the weekend, if I'm not mistaken. I was. Uh, last week, I um, was able to attend the State Policy Network, um, it's a great conference with um, great groups around the country that are in this liberty movement together um, to really provide more economic freedom um, in, in their state. So it was really cool to be with um, other groups similar to, you know, Conduct for Commerce, um, Acres, I know, part of the, the network, and, and see what other states are doing um, to improve the lives of Arkansans through principles of limited government and economic freedom. Um, so I was able to attend that conference on behalf of Conduit and um, able to network um, and learn, you know, what's working in other states and how we can do that here in Arkansas to improve people's lives. So a, a really good conference at a good time. It was over in uh, Salt Lake City. Um, we were able to um, uh, see the, the, the mountains. They had snow the first day we were there up in the mountains. Um, so uh, a really great time. And um, I was uh, had a, uh, I was really glad I was able to go. Well, what are some of the major things you've brought back from that conference? Um, I think one of the highlights today was, um, I'm sure a lot of your listeners probably heard Mark Janus and the Janus decision. Um, and he was there because um, the Illinois, Illinois Policy Institute and their Justice Center worked really hard on his case um, to take it to the U.S. Supreme Court. And for people who aren't familiar with that, basically it boils down to uh, the decision from the Supreme Court saying that uh, you cannot compel association and therefore speech uh, through government employee unions. You know, the government cannot force a government employee to pay into the union, which a lot of times it's teachers unions, um, but um, any any union. And then the union will then engage in uh, electioneering activities that the person paying in may not agree with at all. Um, but to know that there are fees and um, dues are going into that pot um, to basically maybe campaign against what they believe in. So that decision basically said you can't have compelled speech in that manner. And so uh, Mark Janus was there, and um, he, he he gave a short presentation and, and took questions. So um, that that was probably the highlight. But you know, Dave, I think the thing that that really stood out was you know there there are conservative victories um, around the country. And um, I, I know we've had some here in Arkansas, but I think there's even more to come. And it was encouraging to see what other states are doing um, and how, how we can implement those same policies here in Arkansas. You know, when when Janus took on the, the unions, uh, was he was he sure that he could win or was he just kind of throwing up a Hail Mary and hoping for the best? You know, I, all along they knew it was going to be a test case. And so the entire way, their, their goal really was to, no matter what happened, to appeal, keep appealing up 
to the U.S. Supreme Court to to undermine um, really, you know, the the precedent that had been in place. And so, um, he, you know, he was really pleased. And, and that's what's kind of cool about these kind of cases. And another case, Institute for Justice, um, there's a movie, The Little Pink House, the Kelo decision. Yeah, that's, that, been, that's uh, a huge de- uh, decision from a, a few years back yeah. that allowed, you know, the the whole idea of eminent domain to be stretched to the breaking point. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, what I I compared the Janus decision to that in the fact that these plaintiffs and these decisions, you know, they're not they're just everyday hardworking people. And that's what was really cool to see, you know, these pro-liberty groups getting behind, you know, the everyday um, person from Illinois or Connecticut and advocating for their rights. In the Kelo decision, it was their their property rights. Unfortunately, they lost the the case. Yes. But um, really kind of took the direction on eminent domain and the the narrative in a totally different direction. And and people really woke up to what um, states and cities were trying to do. And so um, I think that was a, a really positive um, to take out of out of the conference. Now, Josh, let's, let's kind of in a real short, uh, brief uh, answer. The, the decision was that if they could use land, and the, they being the government, if the government could take your land and turn it into taxic, taxable income, in this case, if they could take a neighborhood – and uh, take that land and then uh, turn it into a shopping center, the benefit to uh, the the government would be so great in their estimation that uh, then you should be able to take the land, correct? Yeah, it really came down to what's the definition of public benefit. Correct. If you take land for a public benefit, um, you, you could take it. And under their definition, unfortunately, really, public benefit could be anything that increased tax revenue. Right. So that then they could spend the taxes. So, you know, in theory, for the public benefit. Yeah. What year was that that came, that came through? Oh, gosh. That's, was that back it was in, in the... the two, it was in the 2000s, early to mid-2000s. Um, yeah, pull it up here. Two thousand five. Yeah, it seems that that's when the Supreme Court, you know, still was leaning towards the left. Uh, I think if that came up again, it would probably lose. What do you think? <laughs> I think so, um, especially now that we've um, been able to confirm um, Neil Gorsuch and, and now Brett Kavanaugh to the U.S. Supreme Court. And that's what was so important with the election of President Donald Trump. And a lot of people voted on that issue knowing how important the Supreme Court is um, in making sure we get good constitutional um, conservatives and, and originalists on the U.S. Supreme Court. And so decisions that we look back on, you know, 5, 10, 15 years from now, they might not be decided or looked at again for 5 or 10 years. But, but, we, but because when we have these originalists, constitutionalist justices now, these can be revisited and possibly even overturned um, in the years ahead. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. You know, we're 22 days away from the election. Uh, we're getting very close now. I just played a piece uh, on the air from Ben Shapiro, The Ten Reasons Why You Should Vote Republican. And uh, there's no way under God's blue sky 
that if you're a conservative, if you're a libertarian, uh, that you should want the Democrats back in control. Well, all they'll do uh, is is destroy. Uh, I think that they have probably about a 65% chance of taking the House, but I don't think that they have the chance of them taking the Senate is uh, minuscule. I, I would put it at 10%. 90% they lose, and they lose some some seats. They're going to lose high camp for sure. I think we can pretty much uh, feel that way. Uh, Manchin is right on the razor's edge. Donnelly is on the razor's edge. And I think the Kavanaugh decision might be enough to, to, to drown uh, Donnelly in Indiana. I believe uh, the, the guy that's running in Missouri is going to win. Um, yeah. I think we pick up three or four seats. What say you? No, I I totally agree. I talked with some people last week at the at that conference, and, and that was kind of the sentiment they thought the House may be lost. Um, and I don't believe it's, you know, I, I think your numbers may be a little more in line. I saw like 82% 538.com came out with yesterday. I don't think that. I, I think there's a lot of um, enthusiasm after the Kavanaugh decision for um, Republican voters to get out and vote, and you're starting to see some of that for the first time in polls, and I think you'll see the polls tighten up as we get closer to Election Day. Um, but for the Senate, I, I don't see any way the, the demo, you know, now 22 days is a, a long time in a election, but I don't see how the Democrats could, could take the Senate at this point with the way that they're just having to defend too many uh, seats, really, um, to be able to, to pick off enough um, elsewhere to win. So um, I, I think Hawley will win. I think um, I think the West Virginia, you know, mansion maybe if, may have saved a seat there by voting I don't know. I don't know. And the one that has really gathered my uh, attention here the last two days is Nevada. Now, Nevada, uh, you got to look at that one and you go, well, Hillary won that big in uh, in, uh, 2016. She won the state. Uh, Heller is going to be in trouble. But uh, the latest polls show him now up by uh, 8 percent. He has been surging now, and it's been because of the Kavanaugh decision. And I don't know if you saw the article over the weekend, but the Democrats are beginning to quake a little bit because uh, they're not finding uh, the the people they thought were going to support them, ready to support them in in the manner they thought, and that's the Latino vote. Yeah. Well, I mean... I think that's kind of the the big surprise we may see coming, the Latino vote, the African-American vote. I know there's a lot of coverage at the end of last week with Kanye West, and you saw poll numbers where the approval and support numbers for Trump among the African-American community had almost doubled. Mm-hmm. And um, in places, and that's something, too, with these House seats, a lot of these um, close House seats aren't in, you know, super red areas it's you know the suburbs of california it's in pennsylvania some places in florida minnesota washington so not super red areas but if they're able to just tick up the latino vote african-american vote and turn out their base by just two or three more percentage points um, they could hold on uh, to a lot more of these seats than maybe they had anticipated yeah i um i keep saying and i'll i'll i'm gonna live by my sword or die by my sword but I still think the Republicans can hold the House and expand in the Senate. And if that happens, uh, 
I can only imagine what the faces are going to look like on television on November 7th. As I've been saying, if you're a Republican, get out and vote on November 6th. If you're a Democrat, get out and vote on November 7th. That's right. You know, as President Trump said, so much winning. If, if you're not tired of winning yet, then go out and vote. Hmm. Um, so I, I, I think uh, the Democrats just really overplayed their hand and really showed some of their unfortunate true colors in the Kavanaugh decision. So um, I know, you know, relating it back here to Arkansas, um, I think we're still going to see a very red state um, after elections. I don't know if much of anything changes, really. No, I, I don't think so. More seats. Um, so, and, you know, Conduit for Action wrote in a post the other day, you know, a couple of weeks ago that, you know, having more Democrats in Little Rock is not going to help with anything whatsoever. Nope, it would not. Josh, you hang on. I got to get a break in. Let's do okay. that. Then we'll come back, talk some more. We'll talk some of the ballot issues, issue one and issue four. Of course, uh, the casino issue is back in play again since the Supreme Court says they're going to put it on the ballot, uh, back on the ballot. Uh, the uh, term limit um, ballot still measure may still get bit, be put back on the ballot as well. So we got a lot to talk about when it comes to those things. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. We're here at 101.1 FM, The Answer. You know, Holland Bottom is still open, Holland Bottom Farm. They're out on high, uh, Highway 321 in Cabot. Uh, they still have apples because it's apple season. This is, you know, time to make some apple dumplings, uh, some caramel apples, you know, uh, candy apples, all kinds of stuff. Just great stuff. This is apple season. They've also still have uh, red and green tomatoes. They've got some watermelons. If you still got a taste for watermelon, I do. I need to get over this week and, and get myself one. Okra, yellow squash, zucchini, cucumbers, and much more. Plus the fall decor, pumpkins. They got the regular pumpkins. They've got the decorative ones, straw. They have mums, corn stalks. They got cotton, everything you need to decorate the front of your house for the fall or the inside of your house or the outside of your house for Halloween. All of that going on now as we move towards the end of the uh, the month we're halfway through the month today today's the 15th and uh, they're going to be open until uh, 6 p.m on sundays now so they're open monday through monday 10 a.m to 6 p.m at holland bottom farm highway 321 in cabot josh is with us and he's up in northwest arkansas he's with conduit news conduitnews.com um you want to go there read their articles stay up on what's going on you know, this last segment here in this half hour, let's talk about the budget meetings that have started. I think they started today. Uh, the, uh, the the movers and shakers are in meetings, and they're determining where they're going to put all the money. That they're trying to determine how much the governor wants to uh, to cut back on taxes in twenty twenty, and all those kind of things. Uh, are those open to the public at all, to the to the media, so that they can listen to what they're talking about? Or are those kind of the old smoke-filled backroom type <laughs> of deals that go on there, Josh? Well, there's no smoke in the rooms, but there's also no live streaming. Um, they're, they're open to the public. Uh, they start tomorrow morning um, with the joint budget hearings, and um, it'll be in the Big Mac building, so where they're having the, the tax task force meetings. Okay. Um, in the that larger room there so um but you're right they'll, they'll start going through the process and 
and hammering out what they um, want to put forward to appropriate um, t- for the for the next legislative session, um, playing out the the budget for the next two years. And um, Dave, I wanted to throw this number out. I was just looking at some of the publications. I think between the three or four I got pulled up here, there's over a thousand pages um, of information um, re- regarding the budget hearing. Man, I better but start one- s- better start stuffing tonight, hadn't I? Yeah. <laughs> Got some light reading planned, I think. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, when I, first number I, I wanted to look for was, okay, what did Arkansas spend in um, this last fiscal year, 2017-2018 fiscal year? Uh, do you have a guess, Dave? Do I have a guess here? Do I, oh, do I have a guess of how yeah. much we spent? Oh, I'm going to say we spent, are we, are we, are we talking pass-through dollars, too, or are we just talking yeah, tax all, dollars? Yeah, state and federal. State and federal. federal. I'm going to say 20, uh, 25.5. That's a, almost, a, that's exactly correct. 25 billion, 518 million. Woo! I've been paying attention, Josh. Nice. Yeah. So that's what it costs to run the state of Arkansas. Um, when I was at the conference last week, that was something. In one of the breakout sessions, we talked about, you know, what are the, pr- problems facing your state and um what i brought up was in arkansas the the state spending really because of um state dependency almost one in three arkansans are on some form of medicaid Mm -hmm. and um arkansas spends more per capita than california new york and illinois and so um that that's where we're at we'll see where the the numbers shake out um what they're playing over the next few years but um, you just said something that just caught me off guard you said that Arkansas pay, uh, pays out per capita more per person, you know, more than uh, California does. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, you think Arkansas is a small state, so we have a lot less people, obviously. But when you compare it, um, you know, do the per capita calculation, we spend more on, on state spending than California, New York, or Illinois, which are large, liberal, progressive states that love to spend money and I would argue some people move there because they they like that more progressive agenda. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. that's just that really catches me off guard. I didn't think that we were uh, they were we were that biggest spenders. I knew we were big spenders, but I didn't think we were that bigger spenders. But we're big taxers too. Yes, and you know I, it was really unfortunate uh, the last tax task force meeting I was at. They actually announced um, in that meeting that. Arkansas had dropped to 46th in the the country in business tax climate index. So we're worst among Republican states. The only states behind us for business uh, business tax climate were Connecticut, um, New York. Oh, I don't have it in front of me, but it was four four Democrat states. We're the lowest ranked Republican state in uh, in the you know bottom five in the entire country. So a lot of work left to do. Yeah, that's that's an understatement. That means we got a massive, <laughs> a massive amount to do. Josh, we got to get our, our our bottom of the hour break. You ha- hang tough. I'll be back with you. Have a cup of coffee. That's what I'm having right now. Okay. And then uh, we will talk further when we come back. Remember, uh, reminding all of you watching on Facebook right now, you're just hearing my end of the conversation. Make sure that you get our app or whatever and hear Josh as well. Hey, let's uh, talk about Aero Plumbing. Aero Plumbing 
100% satisfaction guarantee. If you're not 100% satisfied with the service they provide it, then they'll refund all of your money. If someone comes out, one of the plumbers, don't put on their shoe color, uh, covers or uh, swears in your home, uh, you don't have to pay for that service either. And if a repair fails in the first year, we'll repair it again at no charge. Aero Plumbing is the plumber that I use. I've been using them uh, since I moved out to a Cabot uh, back in uh, 2003. They've done nothing but great work for me. Most of their work has been done on the plumbing for the above-ground pool that I had. I had a, one year I didn't drain the pool right, and it cracked some pipes. They had to replace them. Uh, wanted to and and did replace uh, one of the pipes going into the ground with a brass pipe instead of a plastic pipe, and and those type of things. Uh, they did come out on a New Year's Day uh, a couple of years ago and fixed one of my toilets on New Year's Day. I remember that real clearly because I was watching the Rose Bowl when the guy showed up and had his little put his little. Uh, shoe covers on and went into the bathroom, told me what was wrong, fixed the toilet, and uh, was gone in about 35 minutes, and everything was running uh, very, very uh, well. I paid for it uh, at that time. I mean, they're just really good. Uh, professional, dress professional, will treat you as a professional and take good care of whatever your problem is. That's Aero Plumbing. To get a hold of them, go to aeroplumbing.net or just Google Aero plumbing that's all you have to do it's a dave ellswick show uh we've got uh, josh on with us here today uh, i wanted to read something to you josh i i played uh, ben shapiro uh uh earlier uh this uh, uh hour well not this hour last hour late last hour and uh he was talking about the uh reason why to vote a Republican, but he just came up with this one. He says, so now we've learned from the media that having a Native American great-great-great-great-great-grandparent makes you Native American. <laughs> but 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 that having two X chromosomes does not make you a woman. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> that's that's good. I, I love Ben Shapiro. I do, too. Good. He's a good friend of the show. He's a good man. And uh, it's it's really good that uh, you know he makes a a show here at the show every once in a while. We get him we get him on about twice or three times a year. I have to work on trying to get him up again uh, before we go to uh, we get to November six. Speaking of November six, uh, ever since the Kavanaugh hearings, it's been good. I mean, I've I have felt uh, conservative uh, excitement about November 6th has really has really moved up. Would you agree with that? No, I, I, I totally agree. You're, you're starting to see it with some of these poll numbers. Um, that they're ticking up for the Republicans. Um, and I was talking to a guy last week, and um, more it's, it's more of the base, and that's who they needed to, to, to come out. You know, we don't need to be apathetic and just think, okay, we got the House, we got the Senate, we got the presidency, everything's good, we'll just keep going along. You know, the, the Democrats are, are hell-bent on taking the House so they can impeach Trump, so they can shut down the America First agenda that has um, brought a lot of, lot of success already. So um, I think you're seeing that. I, I would just encourage people, you know, don't don't sit back. You know, we still got three weeks. Um, and so three weeks is a lot of time. A lot can happen. 
They're going to try to throw everything at the wall and see what sticks. Um, but but I, th- I think it's um, I, I think the momentum is heading towards the Republican side for sure. Yeah, I'm I'm all excited about it. To be honest with you, I still am not a believer in this great blue wave that's coming. <laughs> Don't think it's going to get here. Uh, I know it's not going to happen in Arkansas. Uh, maybe it'll happen uh, somewhere out west, but I'm beginning to believe, and and I'm seeing articles now being, uh, and I'm, I'm thinking that it's people hedging their bets about how good the uh, Democrats were going to do in this midterm election. They're suddenly, you know, I'm starting to see uh, articles of, is it going to happen again? You know, I mean, if you if you go back to to uh, 14 and 16, uh, the the red wave has been rolling if you go all the way back to 12 here in our state it was really getting rolling as well we uh nationally we took the senate in 14 uh in 16 we took the white house here we are now in 18 now we're playing just hold you know we're trying to protect Mm -hmm. what we we've gotten i think uh, as i've been watching what's been happening with the, the president i think 2020 is going to play out very very positively for Republicans uh, as well. If if Trump gets elected again in 2020, you know his chances of naming two more people yeah. to the Supreme Court goes exponentially goes through uh, the roof. And if that happens, uh, we might have another civil war. And I'm I'm not asking for it, but I'm just saying the way the left has been acting they will go freaking absolutely bonker crazy no you're exactly right dave i was kind of joking but i the more i thought about it it, it might be serious we're thinking the other day you know with ruth bader ginsburg i'm worried um after kavanaugh if she got into a, a, a health position she needed to step down or wanted to step down or whatever i'm worried the democrats would keep her on my support just to keep trump and the republicans from being able to get a new supreme court justice on the court to replace her um so well they better I, I they better they better have a whole ring of uh, christians around her praying for her because and then get a, a whole ring around briar too because he's no spring chicken by a long shot he's in his 80s as well that's right yeah i think um rbg's 85 i think he's 80 or 81 so um i, I think trump's going to get reelected, dave i really do oh i do I think too he's gonna, i think he's going to win by more than he won the first time. There's a lot of people who were very hesitant, a lot of Republicans and conservatives, you know, that that didn't necessarily vote for Trump the first time. I think you get all those people on board with the success, and I think he's brought in a lot of new people that are just fed up with the political correctness of the left and throwing everything to the wayside, the issues that really matter to people, good-paying jobs, um, lower taxes, you know, strong families in, you know, a, a country we can be proud of around the world, the shining city on a hill, um, that's, that's starting to be returned. And um, I, I think Trump's going to be in for a big victory in 2020. I'm with you. Trump reminds me so much of Reagan. You know, Reagan mm-hmm. didn't win by a huge margin against Jimmy Carter, but when he went up uh, four years later against Mondale and Ferraro, uh, it was just an absolute shellacking that they laid on Mondale. I mean, Mondale was uh, lucky that he won his own state, but that's the only state he won. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping Elizabeth Warren, you know, alluded to her earlier. I'm kind of hoping she 
is the candidate because um, I think she, you know, we could see something like a Reagan 84 victory. Um, we were joking here earlier today that there's more probably 99% of people in the South are more um, Native American than she is just because the number that came out in the Boston Globe. Oh, man. So I kind of hope she's the candidate for 2020. I think she'd be very easy to beat. Now, I'll tell you, you know what I would like to see? I'd like to see Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren. Yeah. If that if that if that that looks a whole lot to me like uh, Mondale Ferraro, yeah, yeah, you got a good point. I I think um, I don't know who there's gonna probably be a lot of them running, but I, I don't think any of them will be able to beat Trump in 2020. I don't see any of them. I mean, Biden's yeah. Biden's got the most behind him, and that's not a whole lot. And you got Booker out there, you got Harris out there, and uh, I'm sure that. There's probably people we haven't even heard of yet that get into this race uh, as well. They may have more people uh, in their primary than the Republicans did four years ago. Well, don't forget um, the creepy porn star lawyer. Oh, yeah. Avenatti. I think yeah. he's running. Yeah, that'd be that'd be really interesting. And who knows what uh, Bernie's going to do. Uh, yeah. He was down in South Carolina over the weekend. That sounds like he's thinking about running again. So it's... Uh, it's rather interesting, to say the least. Okay, we've got to get our break in. We come back. Let's talk about the ballot issues here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 101.1 FM, The Answer. Well, Russ, we were supposed to be judging a barbecue contest Friday, but it's uh, been called off until Monday, week from today, because they're afraid they're going to get rained out. So, so we got lunch Monday. Yeah, Monday. What time? Over at Horton's. I think it starts around uh, 1030 11 o'clock. Unfortunately, I won't be able to make it. You can't make it. I got a DH meeting on Mondays. Uh, okay. Department heads. I remember that. All right. Well, what can I tell you? You're going to meet out. You're going to miss all the great barbecue we had last year, buddy. Who knows what I've done. Ago. I may just come over there and hang out for yeah, a while. Yeah, come on over barbecue. and have some ribs or something because Absolutely. there'll be barbecuing over at Horton's. Horton's does this, this every year. It's a kind of a competition amongst uh, the doctors and stuff over at Horton's, and I'm uh, lucky enough to always be asked, and Becca called me, uh, Rebecca Cox got a hold of me and asked me to come over and uh, judge uh, this Friday, and then she uh, texted me today and said not until Monday because we were expecting rain Friday, so you be ready on Monday or if you can, and I said, meet it, you know, I'm not going to miss it. I'll be there. Bells on my toes and a bone in my nose. Ho, ho. All right. I will be there. Remember six locations for Hortons, Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy because Hortons Orthotics and Prosthetics live by their motto, providing a lifetime of support. All right. Let's finish it up with Josh at uh, uh, Conduit News. We've been talking about a variety of issues today. We talked about the conference he went to. We've talked about the elections. We've talked about the budgetary meeting that's going to start tomorrow over in the the, the big uh, office building over there. Then you got uh, all the ballot issues that are going around. I've seen some different uh, questions out. How are you going to vote on the different issues and all that? Uh, I'm still not sure yet, uh, Josh about how I'm going to vote on issue one. I see positives on issue one. I see negatives on issue one. And um, 
I never have seen a perfect piece of uh, of, of legislation, so I'm still weighing that one. Uh, what say you? Well, um, Dave, I, I'm a no on issue one. Okay. And, uh, I'll tell you why. The I think um, everyone around the state sees that we need uh, uh, tort reform, that we, there are, is an issue um, with, with frivolous lawsuits that drive up the costs for uh, insurance among our doctors. Unfortunately, Dave, there's nothing, I don't see anything in issue one that's going to stop frivolous lawsuits. I think it's going to stop a lot of lawsuits in general, but also those that have merit. Um, so I, I think that's um, one of the, the big issues with it is it's not going to just stop uh, frivolous lawsuits, really address frivolous lawsuits. Um, but what it will do is it's going to um, limit the cost of being negligent at the expense of the innocent. Um, another thing that I have a really big issue with is how it gives the power of the rulemaking authority from the courts to the state legislature. Now, Dave, I mean, you've been covering it, following it for years now. The corruption in this state is running rampant. And to allow the the potential for that corruption to start making the rules of evidence and the rules of procedure for our courtrooms is, is something we cannot go down the road of. It's, I don't believe that's the proper role. I believe it violates the separation of powers, um, the three branches of government, and tries to really make the legislative branch the the top branch of government um, rather than three co-equal branches of government. You know, think of this, Dave. All it would really take is the right lobbyists or the right special interests to buy off five of eight in a Senate Judiciary Committee or 11 of 20 in a House Judiciary Committee and then get it to the floor, floor and pass out of there um, to, to really write the rules of evidence and procedure. You know, we could have a, a, a case going on right now um, or during a legislative session, I guess the example would be, and the right interest could get in there and change the role of evidence or procedure and basically ensure that they win. You know, hey, we don't want this piece of evidence getting in. Let's craft a rule that, you know, however it's worded, we keep that evidence out so that we win the case at the end of the day, protect our bottom line. Um, and, and so I, I, I'm a no for that. Also, Dave, I think it's anti-free market. I don't think it's right for the government to come in and tell you, hey, you can't, you know, for for an ad on your show or, or on the, the station, you can't agree to anything more than X amount. You know, I, I think the free market is better than a government-dictated price control, and that's what issue one does. It says how much a private client can contract for with a private attorney in a case. And at the end of the day, Dave, um, I, I think one of the, the biggest arguments um, out there, the, one of the best arguments, is how this puts a price on the value of life. I know Jerry Cox has done a really good job getting that message out there and um, championing uh, the, the cause because what this does, it, it does put a $500,000 cap on non-economic damages. And in a way, puts a price tag on human life that, unfortunately, these larger corporations, these nursing homes, these insurance companies, they're going to see that as a fixable, knowable cost they can put into a formula. And my grandmother, my mother, my sister, um, and everyone else's, I don't think they should be a fixable, knowable cost in a formula somewhere. I think if something did happen to them, if a court, if a jury finds someone negligent, 
that causes their serious injury or death, I think the jury should be able to consider all the facts and all the evidence to determine what is the best um, redress that they, they should be afforded because of the negligence and or, you know, potential in, intentional acts um, created by, by someone else. All right. So what is issue number two? Okay, issue two is uh, voter ID. Uh, yeah, I'm and, all uh, about that. Yeah, I I, I think uh, that one's going to pass with flying colors. Okay. Um, I poured issue two. And um, just to be clear, conduct for action position on issue one is a no, and issue two is a yes. Okay, two. let's talk at uh, issue number uh, three, and that is? Issue three is uh, the term limit amendment, and um, we, it don't may, know it, sure. we don't know if it's going to be on or not. Right. The, the special master ruled in his uh, fact finding that did not have enough signatures, but they're appealing that decision. Um, and so ultimately, the Supreme Court will determine if we vote on it. Uh, conduct for actions position on that um, is a yes. All right. Issue number four, that is casinos, correct? Yes. Issue four is casinos that would I'm, allow. Yeah, I'm a no. Yes, a conduct for action is a no on that. And, um, and it's not because of uh, anything ethically. It is, I don't want to give anybody an inside run and having their own monopoly on casinos. Personally, if they want to give a clean bill and saying, let's have casinos in Arkansas, I'd probably vote yes. Well, and that's really the the position that um, Conduct for Action takes. It's not a free market solution. It's putting, you know, it's not as bad as the one a couple of years ago where they tried to put in oh, yeah. the actual names of an LLC into our state constitution. Right. It's not that bad. But it's um, basically ensuring a, a government monopoly or a, um, a monopoly um, for specific areas of the state and most likely specific um, interest groups and entities. So for those reasons, Conduit for Action is a no. All right, issue five is minimum wage. I would absolutely, unequivocally, am going to vote no. Nobody should be able to vote and tell somebody who holds a private business what they have to pay anybody to work for them. I agree. Totally agree. Um, there's a, someone from the Heritage Foundation was on uh, Conduit News Radio with Paul Harold the other day, and she had done a study um, on a similar measure they're looking at up in um, northern Virginia. And their study showed that one in three low-income or minimum wage income earners would lose their jobs um, or be phased out, be moved to automation, whatever the cause, if the minimum wage was raised to the rate that they're looking at, uh, similar to the rate they're looking at here in Arkansas. All right. Let so me no, no one wins. Quickly, issue six is? There's no issue six. Hey, very good. I, I tried to fool you. <laughs> I didn't fool you. Very good, Josh. You're listening, brother. <laughs> Gotta like Absolutely. that. You did a good job. You did a good job today. I appreciate you joining us. Uh, Brendan and Joe may be on next week, or they might say, let's let Josh do it for a few weeks. Huh? That'd be all right with me. But I'll see Conduit News next week at 3 o'clock again here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Thanks for joining right. us today, buddy. Thank you, Dave. Appreciate right. the opportunity. All right. Bye-bye now. Yeah, Josh uh, from uh, Conduit News. All right, coming up, uh, Robert Steinbach be coming into the studio 4 o'clock until 6 o'clock, two hours now, with the law professor from uh, UALR Bowen School of Law, 
You've asked for it. Baby, you got it. That's coming up next on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Into the 4 o'clock hour. There he is. You can see him if you're watching on Facebook Live. I don't know where to wave. It's right up there. (laughs) That's, uh, of course, uh, Robert Steinbach, who uh, is our legal uh, professor over at the Bowen School of Law. He has joined us today and uh, at 4 o'clock, and he'll go until 6 with us. If you have legal questions, he's the man to talk to. A two three oh nine six five. A two three oh nine six five. And then uh the announcement I've alluded to and now I can say is gonna happen is that we are going to have Jan Morgan on uh each Tuesday from two o'clock until five o'clock on the power panel here on the Dave Ellswick show and she'll start uh with that tomorrow. And she and I have been having a discussion uh, about uh, what she wants to talk about. And uh, here, let me bring it up, and I'll tell you exactly what we are going to uh, tackle tomorrow. And get her message here. There it is. And come on, Jan, where are you here? Okay, there they are. And here's what she said. Almost 2,000 Arkansans shared a post I made yesterday, and it deals about missing women in Arkansas. The pharmacist who was reported missing Friday was found and is uh, in the hospital. The others are still missing. And, of course, the Faulkner County woman who was missing was found murdered and had been abducted in broad daylight. Women in this state need to get armed. So many people think they have to have a license to carry concealed in Arkansas, and they do not. With the escalating political tension... And what is she talking about? Well, how about Portland over the weekend with uh, the way Antifa was and attacking, uh, was it Proud Boy? I think it's the group's name that kind of, uh, you know, a, a real conservative group got These attacked Antifa by folks them. Antifa folks have turned into a bunch of crazies. And, yeah, and, and here's the bad, bad thing is the police just staying out of it, not even going in to try to protect anybody. Is this absolutely crazy? But uh, we've seen people be, you know, approached at uh, restaurants, outside their homes, in airports, and all kinds of stuff. It's it's gotten really, really crazy. Uh, and she says that people really need to start paying attention to their surroundings. Having situational awareness is your best chance of avoiding victimization. Being armed and trained is also essential to avoiding victimization. And uh, I've told her that that uh, will be fine to talk about. So we'll bring it up tomorrow. Uh, if, you got, if you're a lady and you're listening in and you got questions for Jan Morgan about guns, I can't think of anybody better uh, to give you information on it than her. She's absolutely fantastic about the Second Amendment, and she'll help you about that. And I'll talk to her specifically about concealed carry and not having a license. So that's all coming up tomorrow. Colleague of mine, I went to a meeting at the the law school. It was about safety at the law school. Uh, you know, these kind of training sessions, yes. should something go wrong. And one of the police officers asked the the group, uh, what, is, what are some of the things you can do to defend yourself, to protect yourself against danger, against a, a, a would-be shooter showing up to the school? 
And a colleague of mine, uh, and I found this interesting, and I'll, I'll opine or comment in a moment why. He said, well, one thing you could do is have a gun. Get a, get a concealed carry license. Right? <gasps> oh, yeah. No. Well, that's why, indeed, Dave Apley, he's sort of, um, uh, you know, miming for those on the radio. He's sort of miming shock uh, because the liberals are so afraid of these notions. Uh, and I don't know if this guy is a liberal or a conservative, uh, but he stated a truth, right? It, here's the yep. thing about truth. Being left or right doesn't matter. True remains true. And one method to protect yourself against a shooter at a school or a home or a supermarket, it's not restricted in any way, is to be armed. Yes. And then, of course, as you know, Dave, how often do we hear, well, you know, there's some percentage of people who get their guns taken away from them and used again. Look, uh, there's some very small percentage of people who because they're wearing a seatbelt, actually sustain greater injuries rather than, say, being thrown from the car. Because the seatbelt didn't unlatch, maybe they burned up in the car. That's one example, indeed. Very small percentage. Tiny. And the fact is, you're better off wearing your seatbelt than not, statistically. uh, Unless you're that point zero 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 one percent of the population. The same thing with firearms. Yes, no one is claiming there are no risks involved with being a law-abiding citizen and carrying a firearm. The claim is quite simply and quite obviously and quite truthfully that we are better off with uh, law-abiding citizens who know how to use firearms having firearms and protecting themselves and their loved ones and perhaps even others around them. That's a better state than having merely criminals having guns. And so when you hear the left say such ridiculous things, and you might be saying, which one? That's right. Such ridiculous things such as the fewer the guns that we have, the safer. Really? Should we start by taking them away from the cops? So the point being, of course, is it's not the amount of guns. It's the distribution of guns. One could perhaps have a logical argument that if you eliminated all firearms, you might be in a different state. But since that's not, you know, that's when unicorns uh, uh, exist and everybody has a rainbow in their garage. So let's not talk about silliness. In reality, reducing guns The importance of reducing guns, the left needs to understand, is reducing guns in the hands of criminals, not law-abiding citizens, not the police, not those who protect with firearms. Do you want the cops showing up if you're subject to an ongoing home invasion with no guns? I don't. I don't. So that's the the silliness of the left. They have these knee-jerk responses that break down so transparently in a matter of moments, as we've discussed, just to sort of get into our topic that we talk about every week, where they say, hate speech isn't speech. Then don't have speech as a second word. Here's a little tip. So uh, it's just, it, it gets to be a bit exhausting arguing against the ridiculous. Well, of course, but that's the arguments of the left. Yes. Yes. I mean, seriously, right. that's what their it. argument is. It's the ridiculous. That's right. That's exactly right. And it's always taking it to the extreme. That's right. That's right. You know, well, what if? Right. Well, you know, what if Jesus comes tomorrow? Right, right. Well, I'll be really, really happy. and Some of you won't be, but I'll be really, really happy. What do I think the percentage of that is? Well, he hasn't come yet in over 2,000 years, so... I'm going to say, since he said he doesn't want anybody to, you know, be left behind, probably small. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that's the, the left is policy making by anecdote. They'll find one example. Well, well what are we going to do about this? Uh, maybe nothing. Right? Maybe the solution is nothing. But they are they are, come up with a series of solutions in search of problems. I, I, I told you, uh, Dave, just before we went back on the air, mm-hmm. that I was just at a FOIA task force meeting. This is a body created by the state legislature for the purposes of advising the legislators. And we go over the old bills from last session as well as forthcoming bills once they are introduced and make recommendations to the legislature on those FOIA bills. Right. And there was, you might remember, because you were right on at the forefront, at the forefront on opposing what was then SB 373, the number, of course, not being particularly It always important. changes. Right, exactly. But what was that bill? That bill would have gutted the FOIA. One of the, I think there were two bills that really would have gutted. This was one of them, to create all sorts of exceptions for government attorneys that they don't have now. And their argument essentially is, yes, but private attorneys have that. Yeah, and when you hire an attorney, you got to pay him by the hour. But the government is using your tax dollars to defend lawsuits brought by Arkansas citizens who have been injured by government entities. And, and those government entities have all sorts of advantages. And then they come in and say, yeah, but this is, this is a disadvantage. Uh, okay, what about the fact that you have sovereign immunity? What about you have unlimited funding? What about you, you raise an objection to the FOIA and unless someone can hire an attorney, they can't litigate that issue. And so the, the, they just are looking for every extra advantage. And the same was true today. University uh, folks showed up and they made the same arguments they made last year. And guess what? The panel that I'm on, the FOIA task force that advises the Arkansas uh, legislature, that's House and Senate, uh, uh, unanimously rejected that proposal that failed uh, miserably, in fact, last year as well. Uh, And it was just an awful, awful bill, SB 373 was, and it remains an awful, awful bill. And it's a we need to ensure that the Arkansas Freedom of Information Act remains one of the best in the country. That's where it is now. That's where we are a small state. We're not a rich state. We have some very nice natural resources and we have a wonderful Freedom of Information Act. And some of those folks uh, want to get rid of it. And here's really the interesting part about it. The folks, a bunch of folks who are a bunch of bureaucrats want to get rid of it. I bet you a bunch of them are a bunch of lefties. And then there are a bunch of conservatives who want to get rid of it because they got a bunch of clients who don't like it. Uh, And so this isn't a left issue. This isn't a right issue. This is a good government issue. And if you're for good government, you're for the Freedom of Information Act, and you're for keeping it strong, and you're against these attempts to gut it. So we'll be talking more as the session gets underway, needless to say, Dave. Yeah, we've got to see what's going to be filed. That's we exactly don't know right. exactly what's, what's coming our way. That's exactly right. But we can, we can smell it in the air already. And that smell, that, that's not a nice T-bone on the grill. That's, a, that's an old diaper washing up on the shore. That's yeah. what that is. Yeah, or out in the, out in the fields. <clears throat> exactly. Of a herd of cattle. Exactly. Yeah, there's, uh, there's some other stuff that will be filed. Uh, they better be ready for freedom of speech. That's right. That's oh, coming. Oh, that's right. That's right. You know, that's coming. Kim Hammer is amongst several uh, state uh, um, representatives. I mean, that broadly, senator and representative uh, who uh, who is vigorously uh, for the First Amendment, for free speech, 
and I uh, foresee him doing some wonderful things. He's he's committed, conservative, good man, getting it done. Uh, and the lefties, as we as I alluded to, mentioned a moment ago, the lefties are seeking to gut speech by literally telling us that certain speech isn't speech. Because it's quite simple. It's hate speech right. if it comes from a conservative. It's hate Always. Spe- right. And A, it's hate speech if it comes from a conservative. Those are one and the same. And then B, oh, hate speech isn't speech. Stop calling it speech. Mm-hmm. But they keep calling it speech and they keep saying it's not speech. Why? Because, of course, the First Amendment only protects speech. Well, it protects other things. But in this context, it protects speech. It doesn't protect behavior. And so they want to call it behavior, not speech, and therefore regulate it. And by regulate, I mean prohibit it. Go to jail. We don't like what you said. Get get fired from your job. We don't like what you said. Uh, and that's the left's new openness, right? Is, the- is, is that why, you know, Google and some of the others, uh, you know, YouTube and others have attacked attacked right-leaning folks and, uh, and uh, you know, web-based material right. is because the left has been so loud in their attack well, on... They're mostly leftists, right? If you look yeah, at those managing places like Google and Amazon, of course, is Jeff Bezos, right? Mm-hmm. All of these sort of big cyber organizations these days they're run by a bunch of lefties and notice how they're kicking out all the you know what's interesting about that though is that it's not the right that's been attacking google it's not the the right that has been attacking uh, these you know facebook it's the left right right and i guess that's what they're trying what's going on they're afraid of the left so much that's right that and they know that we're for free speech for the most part I'm not going to say that everybody on the right is pure when That's it right. comes to the First That's Amendment, right. but the bottom line is more people that are conservative are not worried about what somebody thinks or says as the left is. A hundred percent, that's the case. And and as we've discussed many times on your show, Dave, that's the irony. Because in the 60s, the left was the Berkeley free speech movement. Mm-hmm. And that was all lefties. And the conservatives were, were behind. We're, we're, we're not, we're wrong on the issue. I will say it happily. Happily, I don't know. But I will say it openly. But now it's flipped. Flipped completely. And the liberals, the leftists, I should say, have no compunction about uh, quashing free speech because they don't like it. Is that the change? One of the big changes is that on the right, we've actually started even uh, leaning harder towards the Constitution. I think that's right. I think that's right. There's been this real movement on the right that was sort of conservative values in an abstract sense. And I think the right, and I think you've picked up on something very insightful here, Dave, by the way, uh, the right has moved to founding, uh, finding, right, to rooting their um, claims in the Constitution. Yeah, their arguments in the that's Constitution. Right. That's right. It's where and they should be found that's and, right. and, and, and rooted up from. That's right. And it's the foundational document of our government. No one's saying it's it's... The Bible, right? No, it's created by men, but it's an outstanding document and one that if we don't like an aspect of it, we can always change. It is the core document. Unless there's a revolution, it remains the core document that controls all other laws. And so the conservatives have done a wonderful job. I mean, a really intelligent, insightful job of saying, look, 
We are saying this is what is guiding us. And we think it's a good document. And if we don't like aspects, we'll change it. But this, there is agreement. This is our country is founded on this document. And this is our roadmap until we decide otherwise. And the leftists, of course, they, they are clever by half, right? They are, oh, well, we agree with the Constitution. We just think it says whatever we want to say it to say at the moment. Mm-hmm. And, by the way, that's almost quite literally their claim. Yep. They call it a living document. And in all seriousness, what the heck does that mean? It means that the Constitution means what the Democrats want Whatever the Constitution to be. to be. Right, and that, that, that's not a controlling document at all. No, not, and, and, not at all. and we got to take a yes, break. Yes, we're going to do it. I'm, I'm, I'm looking over your head at Russ, and he's he's being very active. Yeah. We'll take a break. We'll come back. we got more coming your way. Robert Steinbach is in the studio. you got a question, 823-0965. Uh, just a little information for you. As we were talking during the break, you on Facebook that are watching live, and you get to see everything that's going on now, uh, is uh, Heller who's running for re-election in the Senate in Nevada, was down by two last week. He is now up by eight in Nevada. And and that was, a, you know, a seat that the Repub- or the Democrats didn't think that they'd have to fight over. And you know where the problem is? They can't get the Latino vote. The Latino vote is uh, leeching away towards Republicans. That's very interesting as well. All right, let's get the news. We'll get a minute update, and then we'll make some money, and then Robert and I will continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. So let me ask this question of you, Robert. I'm sitting here looking at this story, and it's really got my attention. How do you show Google? I mean, Google is big, big, big. They're involved in a lot of things. How do you tell them you know, I don't need to do business with you anymore. I'm done with you. I'm not sure you do. You don't think I mean, it can be done? That's a, that's part of the problem. I'm not sure you do. I, I, the federal government probably could get away with it, but that's about it. Now, let me just read this story. Yes, sir. Amazon.com uh, executive officer Jeff Bezos said his company, quote, will continue to support the U.S. Defense Department drawing a contrast with cloud services rival Google, which has said it won't seek some military contracts following protests from its employees. Amazon Web Services is widely seen as now the favorite to win a Pentagon cloud computing contract worth as much as $10 billion. Alphabet Inc.'s Google last week said it would no longer compete for that work, which involves transitioning massive amounts of Defense Department data to a commercially operated cloud system. Other companies vying for the accord are IBM, Oracle, and Microsoft. Quote, if U.S. tech companies turn their backs on the Department of Defense, this country is in trouble, Bezos said today at the Wire 25 Summit in San Francisco, where he was a surprise speaker. This is a great country, and it does need to be defended. Google's announcement that it was dropping out of the running for the winner-take-all deal came months after the company decided not to renew its contract 
with a Pentagon artificial intelligence program after extensive employee protests about the Internet giant working with the military. Google then released a set of principles designed to evaluate what kind of artificial intelligence projects that it would pursue. You know what? You don't want to work with our men and women in the military? Folks, we need to figure out some way to send a message to Google. I mean, that's Mm -hmm, the the long and short of it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I can't believe a company, if if they're saying extensive, how big is extensive? I'd want to know that. Employees saying that we shouldn't be doing any work with the military. That's insane. Listen, I mean, that's uh, the left. I right, mean, that's, that's what that that's is. Exactly, that's exactly what it is. It's the left, and they have uh, no compunction about uh, making the villain our government. But with that said, just to be clear, as a conservative, if a company doesn't want to engage in a particular type of business, be it with the government or otherwise, they're perfectly free not to. You know, yeah. that's so, uh, uh, you know, I, I think that uh, one of the problems with the left is they don't seem to distinguish between their policy preferences and anybody else. And we on the right, I believe, as a general matter, do. And so if the left doesn't want to engage in business with the government because they think the government's evil, as kooky as that may sound, then fine. Uh, but it's from a policy perspective, it's it's shocking, right? It's 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 – almost unfathomable particularly when they go around the world and they look at these other countries and they seem to sidle up with some of the most egregious uh, actors uh, we've seen things like uh, google's behavior in china right google doesn't want to engage with america but it but it's perfectly free to allow censorship by china that's really what's going on here it's this it's this double standard so uh in the end, the marketplace will decide whether or not they're doing the right thing. Okay, so here we've got a couple of things here yeah. in the uh, people responding to the story. Right. There's, I'm surprised there's only seven responses to it. Wow. But it says, uh, one says Amazon is the enemy of Americans. I don't know if I could say that. I can say Google sounds like they are. Mm-hmm. Um, as a high-level IT guy, I can tell you that, quote, the cloud is worthless. It dis- distur- disturbs me to see people running to it as the, quote, next big thing. They've been running to it for a long time. It's not just something that happened yesterday. Uh, now, one I do kind of agree to, and, and this with this one. Morons who can't run their own data center. Speaking of the military, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Deserve to have their blank leaked. Mm. That's, uh, you right. know, maybe there's some truth to that. Uh, says the DOD has sacrificed American security to global big tech. We are all screwed. Mm-hmm. There's probably some truth to that right. as well. Right. You right. know, it used to be in the military, and uh, a lot of you who are listening are former military. Remember when we had... CEO, the civil engineering guys, mm-hmm. and they'd come out and fix your toilets or they'd come out and fix your house or they'd come out and paint the houses uh, on base and things of that nature. Well, that doesn't happen that much anymore now. Right. You know, to 
make everybody happy, uh, they uh, they outsource that to private companies to right. come in and do all right. of that work. Right. Personally, I liked it better, and and the way they sold it was, well, we we're going to get rid of X amount of military people, uh, and we won't have that money coming out of taxes, uh, you know, to keep it uh, happening. So uh, people went along with it in uh, you know places that have uh, military bases and posts at them uh, will continue to want to have the military air for uh, military air base or the the post or you know whatever mm-hmm. uh, there because X amount of dollars are being spent in the civilian community. Well, I'll be honest, I kind of liked it better. When the military was doing military stuff, you know, when they right, were taking right, care of right. everything, not, you know, having to worry about some group to come in from off base and take care of it, uh, take care of it with uh, your fellow airmen, sailors, you know, army or Marines. I, I kind of like that better. Right. But I did understand it made for maybe better uh, communication with the people who lived around your base mm-hmm. uh, if uh, you were spending more money in the uh, civilian world. So there's a positive, negative on either side of that. However, um, turning all of this work over to, uh, you know, a Google or an Amazon or whatever, uh, $10 billion, I would be, I would be more comfortable with uh, military people doing that and that have been trained correctly in things with the current technology and whatnot than to have people that are not military so that you can have uh, some really good, you know, uh, top secret type things so that you don't have to worry about that stuff leaking. Yeah, I know that there's people that leak stuff in the military, uh, but they can be they can be taken care of more severely than they probably would be in the uh, sure, civilian side. Sure, they have the whole side. military code of justice that doesn't apply on the civilian side. So you 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 can maintain a tighter uh, element of control, but as yeah. you point out, it's not foolproof. Nothing is foolproof. No, and, and right? I don't know if, you know, just look, unless you've been in the military, I honestly believe this, if you've been a civilian all your life, you don't understand the what's going on in the military right you you don't really know what is why the rules are the way the rules are and things of that nature i mean during world war ii they had posters you know loose lips sink Sink ships ships, and things of that nature and it's true It's, it's not false it's true our enemies are always trying to access our websites access on base access our secrets that's going on constantly i mean we just saw the chinese had put these little chips in our um, you know our electronic, electronic devices, devices sure. that they could spy on us. you know here's the thing about that as you know dave personally in dealing with me and as i've said many times on the show i am not good with the technology and even I can conceive of that, meaning I couldn't invent it, I couldn't install it, et cetera. But the notion that a foreign government would put little spy devices in certain devices that they think would wind up in the hands of important people, of course. 
Uh, I see that kind of stuff in the movies. I don't need to be a genius to figure that out. So why are we so behind the curve on this stuff? Um, I don't know. I don't get it. You know, why did Pearl Harbor happen? Why did 9-11 happen? Because we didn't think they could happen. Right, right. You know, we downplayed the intelligence of our enemy. And because we did that, I mean, during World War II, you know, Roosevelt didn't believe those little yellow guys could, you know, mount a, a, you know, a major offensive. He right. found out differently. Right, right. right. Uh, we didn't think that the guys that are out there riding camels could uh, do a lot of things. Right, and, and just to be clear, and, I think and what, pro- what you're proved this different. Right, and what you're saying is, uh, you're not saying a discriminatory comment. You're saying this is what people uh, who were sort of belittling uh, the enemy were saying. Yep, uh, and that is never uh, underestimate right. your enemy. Right, exactly. Never, exactly. You you start calling the enemy names in a belittling fashion, and it tends to let people become complacent uh, and another cost of, of discriminatory behavior indeed. Uh, do not become complacent when it comes to your enemy. Every day, I guarantee you, every day, Islamist fundamentalists and others are trying to bring attacks on Americans somewhere in this world. Let's put it this way. You can be sitting in a barn. You can be sitting in a library. You can be sitting at home. You can be sitting in a freaking cave somewhere. Mm-hmm. And now with computer technology, you could be planning the next attack. Mm-hmm. Right. It is the way of the world now. Right. It is right. truly a global village now. Right. right. It's not like, and even during World War II, we found out that uh, – those two big oceans weren't enough to protect us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now they don't protect us at all. Right. To be right. honest. I mean, right. that was what That's kept right. so many people from trying to attack us is because we could see you coming from a long way away. That's right. That's right. You know what I'm saying? That's exactly right. So it's just, it's, it's something to keep in mind. And uh, my, my uh, question is, you know, maybe we need to spend a little bit more money to to keep the um, some of this work in house. Right, right. You know, just uh, right. just a right. thought. Right. Well, there's a, of course a security aspect to that. Right. That that is uh, when you start outsourcing, and then something happens in the world, you don't know who you're dealing with in the same way. When you keep it in house, well, when you get it outside the, the 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 interior of the military, now you're out in an area where it can really be shared around. If somebody happens to get hacked or whatever, right now more people know it quickly than what you'd ever want to happen, and you don't know where the bad guys lurk. Right, somebody may bid on a project, and uh, the people that own the business are working in cahoots with your worst enemies right right it's just something to keep in mind right 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 no, i know? agree with you i agree with you there's a reason why i'm paranoid because well, they really are trying to get us you know it, a little an ounce of prevention right you know the old saying uh it, so we need to be safe up front we go back to the discussion we had earlier today that we have often uh, the notion of concealed carry is about taking precautions, being safe, right? It's not, the left likes to characterize what conservatives do often as as crazy. And the truth is, conservatives are practical. Conservatives 
realize that the world is not all hugs and kisses and that we need to do those things that put us in a better posture for our country, for our family, uh, for our friends. Uh, in this way, less th- less damage happens. But too often, the left wants to bury their head in the sand when it comes to foreign aggressors, domestic aggressors, uh, and bad behavior. And the consequences can be quite tragic. Now, the New World Order uh, national or international anthem is not kumbaya. I'm mm-hmm. just telling you, it's right. not That's exactly kumbaya. Right. I'm not sure it ever was, right? That's it, especially for the United States. All right, when we're involved in it, it's more, much more detrimental to us. That's the way it all set up. All right, let's take a break. Let's come back. We'll finish up our first hour. It's amazing. All right, here amazing. on the Dave Ellswick Show. Robert uh, Steinbach is here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We will return after these. All right, down to uh, about four minutes uh, remaining here in this hour. Of course, Robert Steinbach is my guest. CNN is reporting that Saudi Arabia is now preparing a report in which they will admit that Jamal Khashoggi, I guess is how he pronounces I don't his know. name. Khashoggi, I think it yeah, is. The, yeah, the uh, Washington Post columnist who went missing earlier this month was killed in an interrogation gone wrong. <coughs> He's a, a prominent Saudi dissident. He went missing after walking into the Saudi consulate in Istanbul on October 2nd. Turkey officials said they have proof that he was murdered and dismembered by a team of Saudi agents, a charge that the Saudi government is now uh, strongly denying uh, per two sources. Uh, However, the Saudis are preparing a report admitting that they intended to abduct and bring uh, uh, Khashoggi back to Saudi Arabia, but that he was inadvertently killed in the process the report is intended to absorb, as they're saying, to absolve the Saudi government of responsibility for the murder by claiming the operation was not cleared. Now, would this have happened if uh, Trump and his administration hadn't put a lot of pressure on the Saudi government? Well, and indeed, the, if you want to kidnap someone uh, and bring them back to your country— and then it goes bad, and then you chop up his body, uh, is that supposed to be better than premeditated murder? Mm-hmm. I'm not so sure it is. And if it is, it's only marginally so. Uh, so I, I, I don't know anything about this report other than what you've just told me. But if the Saudis are admitting to killing this guy by, quote, accident, you know, I'm not sure I would call it an accident. Well, I was just kidnapping the person in, in the States, right? If you do that, it's felony murder, mm-hmm. meaning you try to commit one felony and someone gets killed and you get charged with murder because you're committing a felony. It's felony murder. So if their defense, quote, unquote, is that they committed felony murder, th- that doesn't really absolve them of anything at all. And what I think the president then should do is I think personal sanctions against uh, the royals. Uh, that is, so you heard on television, someone asked him, should we cut off our military equipment that we're selling them? He said, well, I don't want to uh, 
uh, harm the companies that are selling that military equipment. And I think there's a, he, he raises a good point. It, it, that's also not going to particularly harm those royals. No. Uh, well, because they can buy the weapons elsewhere. Yeah, anywhere. And, right, basically. anywhere. And moreover, it's a bunch of pomp and circumstance. They're not using those weapons. They, they, they like to have them. It makes them feel important. So they can send a bunch of money to the United States and – we can cut off, we can sanction the individuals. Now, they might respond by undoing the deal. So be it. So be it. Uh, but that's a cost of, of punishment. Uh, but we're not going to inflict it on ourselves. So I think if there was any truth in this most recent report that you described from CNN, and unfortunately, as you know, they sometimes get it wrong. But if they got it right this time, which they very, very well might have, then we need to be sanctioning those royals directly. Yeah, we'll come back, talk more about yep. this in a moment. Uh, right now, we got to get to the news. We got this to talk about. We got Antifa to talk about in Portland. We got a lot. And the, more, the bigger picture on that is why the police didn't intervene. Right. The, the mayor said, you know, we're not going to stop Antifa from harming anybody, basically. We'll talk about that when we get right. back as right. well. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, let's move into the final hour of the Dave Ellswick Show for a Monday. Robert Steinbach is sitting here in the studio with me. We were talking about this Saudi uh, Arabian or Washington Post uh, journalist that walked into the uh, Saudi consulate in Istanbul and didn't come out. Now there's a word that we're getting, rumor, not official, uh, that he is dead and that he was uh, evidently uh, in interrogation and was killed, and then he was maybe dis, uh, dismembered. You know, dismembered and things of that nature. Uh, the president put some pressure uh, on the Saudi king earlier today, and now the Saudi king has come out and said, hey, I didn't know anything about it. I really didn't know anything about it, and, uh, you know, we'll get to the bottom of it. And the president said, hey, we find out that you knew about it and you killed this guy. Uh, we'll, we're going to respond uh, swiftly and strongly. And now there's stories popping up about $200 barrels of oil. You know, your, your price of your gas uh, would, would skyrocket, maybe go from 250 to $5 a gallon, things of that nature, you know, going to be interesting to see how this all uh, plays out robert well i think this is a real serious issue uh and we can't let this uh, go unresponded to and as we discussed before the break uh there you you don't get off of it uh, of liability because you um you said well i didn't intend to do all these terrible things i just intended to do a whole host of other terrible things uh and additional terrible things happened uh, and so this is one of those instances where it's time to step up and uh, sanctions uh, are appropriate if we can discover who did it. And if, if, you know, if the Saudi government says, oh, it was rogue elements. All right. Well, turn over the individuals and the evidence. Let's, yeah. Let's take a look. Let's take a look at all and we'll take care of it. Give them all to us and we'll prosecute them. This is an American. I don't know if he was a citizen or resident, whatever, but he worked for the Washington Post. Now, here's what I know. They yeah. probably won't turn him over. They'll keep him in right. their criminal justice system. Right. And to be honest, if they're if they're guilty and they're found guilty right. of it, 
what will happen is they will face the death penalty a lot faster there than they would ever here. Uh, for sure. Uh, but I want to see the evidence because yeah, I don't yeah. want to see a frame job, yeah. you know, because too often you hear those stories of these frame jobs. So I don't want I don't want that to happen either. Yep. Let's talk to Robbie. Robbie's in Maumelle. Hey, Robbie, how are you? Hey, good afternoon, gentlemen. Um, there's a lot more to this story. I'm very suspicious of it because the, the Saudis are chopping off heads all the time and nobody says anything about it in the Western media. So why this guy? What, what's the deal with this guy? What's he got going on? Uh, I, I think there's, I think he's an operative. He is a Muslim Brotherhood advocate. Uh, he's a member of the Muslim Brotherhood. He hates the royal family there. Uh, so I don't know. There's something more to the story because they're, they're chopping heads off all the time and nobody says a word about it. But this guy, everybody's all crazy about it. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the deal is. Any no. ideas? Well, no, I don't. Uh, I mean, this has just started revving up into a really major story uh, over the last uh, week or two. So right. why? It, yeah. Why well, well, I think yeah. there are a couple of elements going on here that make it different than, as you aptly point out, some of the horrific behavior that takes place in some of these other countries already. One is... This happened in an, uh, um, in another country, happened in Turkey. Turkey. And mind you, I am no big fan of the current Turkish government, but they mm-hmm. still are part of NATO, and that means something. Secondly, this guy was a journalist for an American newspaper. And as Trump aptly pointed out, he goes, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but he says, I'll criticize the press when they're deserving of criticism, but this is simply uh, intolerable that you're killing a journalist likely because you don't like what he's writing. And that's, by the way, it shows the hypocrisy of the left, I may get in my commentary, where the left says, oh, uh, President Trump's a fascist and he would do away with journalists. Uh, not so much, huh? Really? Mm, yeah. not, not really so much. So I think those are some factors that, that differentiate this situation from some of the other horrific behavior, which is terrible as well, don't get me wrong. Right. I, it, just, it just struck me as odd uh, because it's kind of like, okay, let's get behind this guy. Right. I don't know. There's a lot more to the guy than we know. Yeah. I mean, oh, and I don't think he's an angel, right? I mean, you point out that he may have some connections to sort of these uh, um, right-wing extremist uh, uh, Islamist groups. Maybe. Maybe. But yet again, that does not entitle uh, some Saudi operatives uh, with some level of well, support. Well, he's known as a dissident. Right. Uh, right. He's known as a dissident, but that doesn't mean you should knock him off. I mean, I agree. Exactly. I agree with that. And, uh, you know, if the crown prince, or not the crown prince, now the king, if he doesn't know about it, somebody did it because uh, they thought it needed to be done uh, and thought the king would be happy, and now it's gotten out and it's become much bigger than what these other people thought, they're going to be falling on their own swords. Right. That's, just, that's right. That's the that's way, right. that's the way that's it's right. going. Hey, this is just breaking. Microsoft co-founder Paul Allen has died oh, wow. uh, from complications of non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Mm. Uh, Allen passed away this afternoon in Seattle at 65 years old. That's how old I am. Um, mm-hmm. His sister Jody said he was a remarkable individual on every level. Allen, longtime CEO of Microsoft, also ranked among the world's wealthiest individuals. As of uh, this afternoon, he ranked 21st wow. on Forbes' list of billionaires with an estimated net worth of $20.3 billion. Wow. With that said, let me remind you that it don't matter how much you leave with, you can't take it with you. That's right. That's All exactly right. right. He's not going to have 
a U-Haul behind the hearse. He's going to be just death is the great equalizer. That's for sure. Just the way it is. And, That's for uh, sure. Yeah, something for everybody to keep in mind. That's right. That's All right. right. Uh, about quarter after five. Do uh, you want to talk about this story that people are sending us? Tell me what it is. Yeah, well, you sent it to me. Ha! Oh, that's a long story. Yeah, yeah, but there's something going on. There's a story in the Washington Post about... Um, and keep that in mind. Yeah, exactly. And I have not read the article <laughs> through, but about um, raids, drug raids that are being conducted by the police department in Little Rock. Uh, and the article suggests that they are violating the Fourth Amendment. And I'm not saying they are. I'm not saying they're not. Uh, but that's what the article talks about. Yeah, it'll be something for me to look at. And then we'll see, we'll see what's in it, Robert. And yes, if sir. it's something good, maybe we have you back on this week. Of course. And Happy we, to do uh, it. we Happy talk to do more it. about it. Happy to do it. All right. So when we come back. Uh, let's talk about what went down in Portland yeah. uh, over the weekend because it wasn't pretty. The crazies are out. And Antifa, it amazes me that the the left uh, and the Democrats, you know, the Black Lives Matter crews and, uh, and whatnot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For instance, in the coverage of Portland, uh, this other group was a right-wing radical group, and Antifa was just the other group. Mm-hmm, right. uh, Antifa is just not any other group. We'll exactly. talk about that as well. When we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show, quarter after five, and more coming your way with uh, Robert Steinbach. By the way, his his opinion are his opinions and his opinions only and not necessarily though those of uh, UALR or the Bowen School of Law. Okay, so the... Uh, story dealing uh, with uh, uh, the drug things going on has made Facebook already. Mm-hmm. And uh, some of my uh, buddies out there are talking about it. And I guess some of the people running uh, for a mayor have started saying some things. Uh, let me see if I can bring it up here. I'm Uh, Warwick Sabin, I am deeply concerned about the practices of the LRPD as described in yesterday's Washington Post. Want to stop right there. Want to stop right there. Is that all you know, Mm -hmm. Mr. Challenger for Mm -hmm. mayor? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. If that's all you know, you know nothing. Right. You know from a newspaper article. Have you got a hold of the chief of police to talk to him? Have you gotten hold of uh, the mayor, Stodola, and ask him what's going on? You know, I would like to know. We need, He says, we need to do everything we can to reduce crime in Little Rock, but not at the expense of violating basic civil liberties and breaking the law ourselves. Now, that's an, another point to talk about, and that is this. Has the city become that dangerous? I mean, makes you wonder, doesn't it? Oh, Everybody's look. been asking about it. Everybody has been saying it's dangerous. Everybody's been saying the the gangs are back. Everybody said MS-13. Everybody's been saying all kinds of stuff about crime. And everybody's been saying, oh, no, 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 no. All of a sudden now, 
it's yes, 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 yes. You know, you raise a very important and a broad issue, Dave, and that is safety and security in Little Rock. I moved to Little Rock uh, almost 15 years ago now. It's the longest time that I've lived anywhere uh, after moving out of my parents' house. And so this is home. And when I moved to Little Rock, I did some research on it. I knew that it had its fair share of crime. It's not a crime-ridden city by any means, but it's got crime. And you've got to be smart. And you've got to be safe. And we've talked about it today and we've talked about it previously. Part of being safe is protecting yourself. And one way to protect yourself, it's not a must, but it can be. It can be something you do, is to carry a firearm. And uh, I knew that there are different areas in Little Rock with different levels of safety, shall we say. I remember I was over at the law school, and law school's in an okay area, but it's right. It's not, it's not Hillcrest. Hillcrest is, uh, uh, or the Heights, uh, has lower crime than where the law school is. And we had a new dean came in and wasn't from here. And I had commented on how I think we should have more than one security officer uh, at the school. It's a big building and there's one person out front. I thought there should be one person inside. And he told me, it's the safest part of town. Well, it's just not. And I just looked it up and I could easily find that. And this is, uh, why do I raise that story? Other, is, is it just to describe how this individual didn't understand uh, that where the law school was situated to the rest of the city? No, not at all. It's to say that when you hear politicians and bureaucrats just tell you, oh, don't worry, everything will be fine. You're safe. Don't buy it. If they're right, it's more likely a coincidence than anything else. And so we have crime in Little Rock. Let me get, watch the ticker. Watch the scroll on the bottom of the TV set. Here's some news coming across. We've got crime in Little Rock. And so you need to be smart. You need to be aware of your surroundings. And if you're willing to do so, get a concealed carry license. This is the point that I think the leftists don't seem to understand. They drive around and, you know, they call them limousine liberals, right? They live in these gated communities and they're generally in safe areas where there's little crime to their homes and they go into their big, tall building offices. And so they're not faced with crime as a general matter. Well, other people are. Other people don't work in the big, tall buildings. I don't work in a big, tall building. And I go around the city. I was over at, uh, at, at a drugstore late at night. Very nice people in there. But you could see that there were some people sort of milling about outside. Didn't look like the safest situation to me. And so people need to be aware of their surroundings and take their own security into their own hands in a legal way. And that's what I think is lacking from the left's understanding. And now relative to what's going on with these um, drug raids, I don't know. Uh, I'm, of course, uh, uh, um, strongly opposed to people selling hard drugs. Uh, but we also have to be have to ensure that the Fourth Amendment, the right to um, uh, be free of improper searches and seizures, is observed. 
because that's a constitutional right. We don't get to pick which constitutional rights we like. They all apply. The First Amendment, speech, amongst other things, religion, amongst other things, assembly, amongst other things, um, uh, petition the government, uh, amongst other things. Two forms of a religion, uh, by the way, right? Uh, free from and free, uh, free to uh, undertake religion. Uh, the Second Amendment, that is the right to bear arms. The Fourth Amendment, the right to be f- free from illegal uh, searches and seizure. Uh, the Fifth Amendment, the right not to be incriminated. The Sixth Amendment, the right to a jury trial uh, and the right to a representation uh, and the right to a fair trial. Uh, so we need to respect to respect all the rights in the Constitution, mm-hmm. and that's not a conservative idea, and that's not a liberal idea, but unfortunately, uh, the liberals, or at least the leftists, are starting to abandon many of those ideas. They've abandoned the First Amendment. They've completely walked away from the First Amendment. They deny the existence of the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution. And they say, well, it doesn't say what it says. Well, wait a second. You, the, the left has been the one, with some good reason, who said that the vanguard against attack on individual rights is the Supreme Court. Well, the Supreme Court told us that the Second Amendment is an individual right. There was some ambiguity given that the language itself had some ambiguity because it had a uh, an initial clause that sort of said these general purposes and then it described the right. The right that was described is an individual right to bear arms, but the, the sort of a preface section was more broadly written uh, towards malicious. And so they said, no, no, the malicious is the part that counts. Uh, I think their interpretation of the law was wrong, but my view doesn't matter any more than theirs. You know whose view matters? The Supreme Court's view. And the Supreme Court told us quite clearly it's an individual right, and yet the, yet the, the leftists still deny it. No, nope, we don't care. We don't care. The rights are in the Constitution that we choose to be in the Constitution. And by the way, since it's a, quote, living Constitution, end quote, we can change them tomorrow again. Mm-hmm. It's not a constitution at all. That's called politics. That's called whim. And the irony is, that, well, you, you shouldn't impose your view on us. Right? We see this all, all the time when we talk about uh, uh, abortion and life issues. Right? They say, don't impose your moralistic views on us. But they want a constitution designed that they can impose their views on everybody else. And, of course, the, the discussion about life and abortion is not about imposing views uh, of religion on third parties. It's about whether or not there is indeed life being carried by the mother that is entitled to separate protection. Uh, and you can come out wherever you want. I'm not going to tell you where to come out on that. But don't tell me what the debate about is about. The debate is not about uh, imposing moralistic views the, the, or religion. The debate is about uh, whether or not what's inside the mother is entitled to protection. All right, so I'm I'm flipping through this story. Right, it's long. There are three main areas of concern. First, the narcotics union appears unit appears to be routinely violating the Fourth Amendment by serving nearly all of its warrants with no knock rates. Now, yeah. understand here: the only way you get a no knock raid is if you get a no knock warrant. So a judge issued a no-knock warrant. Now, there says that here it's 
They're getting these uh, no-knock warrants without demonstrating why each suspect merits one of them as required by federal law. Worse yet, Little Rock judges are then signing off on these warrants. Okay, well, that sounds like not the, the cop's problem. It sounds like the judge's problem. Right, right. Second, the LRPD is serving many of these warrants by using explosives that SWAT veterans I've interviewed say are reckless, dangerous, and wholly inappropriate for use in drug raids here. Now, look, I'm not trying to to defend, uh, you know, criminals or the police or innocent. I'm not defending anybody. Not taking sides. But I, I do know this, that when you write a story like this, you can find people to say whatever you well, want right. them that's right. to say. And we'll talk more about this. Got to get a break in, then we'll come back and, and talk about this story on the Dave Ellswick Show. Hey, don't forget about Sonny's Auto Salvage, your number one choice for recycled auto parts. I use them, and I use them quite often now because all my automobiles are getting uh, up to those major miles. I've got my Acadia with nearly 300,000 miles, and I'm getting ready to change out the uh transmission on it, and RD thinks that he's found one now, so probably be taking care of that within the next month and haven't put in by Sunny's Auto Salvage. I'll get a three-year warranty from him, parts, labor, and, of course, unlimited mileage. And so for three years, I won't have to worry about anything. I'll be able to drive my car around. Something happens to that transmission and it fails, uh, they'll take care of it. Well, you can do the same thing. If you need a motor, you need a transmission, heck, a a rear uh, wheel differential or Who knows what you need? I mean, big, little, doesn't matter. Folks over at Sunny's Auto Salvage can help you out uh, and help you go kind of green in that uh, they use recycled auto parts. Uh, Sunny's buys well-maintained total loss vehicles. They strip them down of all the parts. They test all the parts to make sure they work the way they're supposed to. And then they uh, warrant them uh, for you and uh, they sell them to you. And that means uh, you can be sure that it'll be taken care of. Now, you can use Sonny's uh, technicians or you can go to somebody who uh, RD thinks is a, you know, a good technician. Like if I told him I, I wanted something fixed and I wanted to take it to Joe's garage, he'd have no problem. If I wanted to do a transmission and I wanted to take it to Midstate, he'd have no problem. He would still give the same three-year parts and labor warranty with unlimited mileage. Here's the number to call, 982-7451, I got to tell you that I'm looking at this uh, Washington Post uh, article that has been published. Uh, first thing is it's being put up on the website by uh, Warwick Sabin's people. They want to see him be mayor. Right. Saban's making a statement. He shouldn't, I think, make much of anything until he's gone out and done some investigation on right. his own and doesn't sound like he has yet. Uh, I don't want a mayor that just jumps the gun. I want a mayor that talks from having some uh, some real information. Uh, I think Stodola needs to have a, uh, a press conference That's along right. with the police chief. That's right and uh, talk about what exactly is going on and, uh, you know, get the, uh, get the information out there. That's now, right. that's my thoughts. That's we'll, right. That's right. We'll see if they, if they do it. 
In fact, I'll call Stodola's office tomorrow and invite yeah. him onto the show to talk about this. Right, right. Now, I'm not guaranteeing you he's going to come on. He and I have been at loggerheads for years, so we'll just have to see what happens about that. But I just promise you, I'll make the call. Okay, right. we'll see if we can do We'll right. see if the police chief will come on. Right. We'll see if that happens. And, uh, you know, if, if the judges are given no-knock warrants without really reading the warrant material— uh, I got problems with that. That's right. Heavily That's right. have problems with that. That's so, right. It's all things that, that Look, there's a lot of steps at. in the process, and we need to make sure that they all uh, are being are followed. That's right. Because what you see too often, and I'm not saying it's very often, but whenever it happens, it's too often, uh, in the criminal justice system is maybe a police officer will arrest someone and say, I'm not sure, but I'll let the prosecutor figure it out. The prosecutor said, well, a police officer did it, uh, and I'll just bring the court and let the judge uh, figure it out. And the judge will say, well, if the police officer and the prosecutor brought it to me, uh, then it must be good enough, so I'll just stamp it. And so there is this kind of circular logic that can take place. I'm not saying it happens often, but it can take place take place and that is an inherent danger remember true conservatives go by the maxim we would rather let 10 guilty people free than put one innocent person in jail and we need to continue to subscribe to that notion at times i fear that conservatives have gotten away from that idea and that's dangerous we need to be leery of government behavior as we are in all contexts and that includes the criminal context and while we want safe streets uh, we don't want uh, a system of government whereby the police are taking innocent people i'm not saying they're doing it i'm saying we need to maintain our existing system of checks and balances on law enforcement, on the criminal justice system, really. I don't want to sound like it's coming out against law enforcement per se. It's part of the criminal justice system. That's why you have the police that do the arrests, the prosecutors that do the prosecution, the judges that make the determinations along with the juries. It's designed to be separate and it should be separate. And we just need to ensure that everybody is respecting the Constitution. It all comes back to what we talked about earlier. It's all about the Constitution. All right. We're going to uh, talk a little bit more about this and that this informant that the police are using maybe is not the most reliable informant uh they've used this guy 21 times now other people have come forth and have said uh that they were recently raided because of the informant Derek davis says that on september 2nd of last year a few weeks after the raid on tally a strange man knocked on his door i'd never seen a guy before davis says he just comes up knocks walks right in then he starts asking weird questions about my apartment, like whether I like living there and how much the rent is. He stayed for a few minutes, then he thanked me and left. It was really weird. Two weeks later, an LRPD raid team blew down Davis's door. I saw the video of what they did to Mr. Talley. It was exactly what they did to me. They used explosives. They blew the door clean off. Then about 10 guys came in all decked out in SWAT gear. The police found a small amount of marijuana, which Davis admits was his for personal use. Davis, now 26, is also a registered gun owner and been since I was 21. What you have to understand is to register a gun, you give the police your name, ID, and social security number, and they create a record with all of that, plus a serial number for your gun. Now you tell me 
what drug dealer voluntarily gives the police a social security number and the serial number off his gun? And I question that because I have never to get, I've got a concealed carry. I've never given the serial number off my gun. I don't know what that's about. Yeah, I don't know what that's about either. Under both state and federal law, any gun found in proximity to an illegal gun is illegal. Says I ended up spending three days in uh, in jail. Blah 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 blah. Then there's a uh, name of uh, Boykin. Says he was also raided because of the informant. But unlike Davis or Tally, Boykin actually knows the informant. Me and him grew up together. He says the thing you have to know about him is he's a sad guy. He has no money and he's a crack smoker. Anyone who knows him knows he's the last guy you trust in a police investigation. If you're paying him. He'll say whatever, whatever uh, he needs to say and that you want him to. Uh, Boykins lives in duplex, blah, blah, same thing, kind of thing happened to him as well. So sounds like me. We got uh, some information there that they should be working at, and uh, I'd like to sure know what becomes of it. Well, you know, one thing that is true and what's dangerous is, of course, the police and the prosecutors will point out, well, we have to go to criminals to get informants because who else is going to be around other criminals? That's true. But with that must come a healthy level of skepticism. Well, if he's saying he bought drugs, this is something he's saying, the police are giving him some money and he's going in and he's buying drugs. Where are the drugs that he's coming back out mm-hmm, with? Mm-hmm. If he's not coming out with drugs, then you mm-hmm. got to be saying, hmm, right. I gave you 100 bucks. Right. Where's the drugs for what the 100 bucks? Right. And right. I'm wondering if that's being said. Uh, the, the informant, according to someone who knew him, a uh, female, said he was uh, paid for every bust that occurred. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, I, I have heard in the past some people have been paid for every conviction that wow. has gotten wow that's that can be dangerous but yeah that is that's very dangerous that I, very I don't dangerous. like that either mm-hmm. you know but i just think for people to jump off and think that they got dirty cops or whatever is right. it's too soon there is no remember let's not do a kavanaugh here right i agree with you all I right agree with let's you. not do a kavanaugh the, the key here is uh to get collaboration of, of what these people are doing is, in fact, illegal, and then let the heads begin to fall. Right, right. That's I'm, right. I'm all uh, all we that. have now is a story. Yeah. All we have now is a story. So we need to... That uh, needs to be looked into. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. But nothing, nothing more at this juncture. So now it's up to the local... TV stations to pursue this, mm-hmm. put some uh, pressure on the mayor and on the police chief and get them in front of the cameras and get them to start talking about this. But mm-hmm. we'll see mm-hmm. if that happens. We'll see if perhaps the uh, uh, media will do that. And don't let Saban and others, not saying the others won't do it, but don't let them make it into right. a politicized uh, story. Well, that's unfortunately what always happens, right, is that it becomes politics. That's exactly right. Yeah, so keep uh, everybody needs to keep that in mind as well. But before I'll find, you know, and, and start yelling at SWAT teams and all the rest, I want to know that what's being reported, one, is true, uh, two, you know, is this guy that they're using as an informant, 
is he the only informant that they're using? Uh, is there some higher up uh, complicity in this? Are the judges just giving away uh, basically candy, no knock warrants? So right. We'll right. want to know about That's all of that. The, the, and those are the questions that we need to answer. So I'll start calling. Absolutely. I'll, I'll start making some calls. I know you will. I know we'll you see, will. We'll see what happens. I'm all about people not being uh, terrorized by our police departments and things of that nature, but right. I'm also uh, understanding that maybe there's more to this than perhaps. Right. is uh, is being uh, I have no doubt that, that that's story. the case indeed, right? Yeah, I would hope so. Well, did you know there's 567 different ways to claim your Social Security benefits and 2,728 rules in the Social Security handbook? And to make matters worse, uh, the government tells the Social Security Administration they're actually forbidden to offer you any personalized advice. I know that for a fact. I've asked. Uh, it's no wonder as much as $10 billion in benefits go unclaimed every year now learn how you could ring every nickel out of your social security benefits in the up-to-date 2018 guide to social security it comes from david lucas home of or host of the david lucas show and uh, that's held here on uh, 101.1 fm the answer at 10 and 3 on saturdays to get your free 2018 guide to social security be one of the first 10 callers now at 501 653 6690. You may just get a voicemail, but if you do, leave your information. Do do not leave without giving your information. Don't leave tens of thousands of dollars on the table. Get back every nickel that's rightfully yours. Again, 501-653-6690 or visit davidlucasfinancial.com. All right, let's finish up our two hours with Robert Steinbach, who is a legal professor at... uh, uh, UALR, Bowen School of Law, his opinions, by the way, are his and his alone, not necessarily those of the school or of the university. And uh, I want to talk about what went down at Portland. I want to talk yeah. also about the police chief in Portland who has tried to take a hands-off approach uh, to um, the Antifa people, not not the uh, the right, the right people. right. All right, and by that I don't mean what they're standing for is right. Um, they're from the right, uh, and they're and people refer to them as Nazis and whatnot. Of course. So, I mean, I'm telling you, I wouldn't show up with this the prayer patriots and uh, at all. I so don't what? believe in what exactly. they believe so in. What? But the bottom line is, they should have the right to protest in peace exactly. without being, you know, faced off by hundreds of uh, Antifa people who I can tell you in the times that I have seen them up close and personal, and I saw them before they called themselves Antifa. I saw them in Washington, D.C. Uh, some years ago. What, what year was it, uh, Russ, that we were uh, in, in uh, D.C.? You weren't there for that? Okay. Um, and there was, there was all kinds of problems. They, they chained the doors shut of the place that we were in, uh, they attacked people in wheelchairs. Oh, my goodness. Uh, they, they were crazy, absolutely nuts. And uh, the police did nothing to them. Of course. Zip, nothing. They said that they would not, uh, you know, uh, get in their way. And, and with, here's the only time they got in their way. They wanted to feed some homeless people. They were hanging out in a park. Of course. And they didn't want that to happen because they felt they'd be drawing every homeless person in Washington, Mm D.C. And so they arrested those people. But the people that were out 
uh, hassling and uh, assaulting people um, at uh, the uh, uh, American Dream Summit. Right. Uh, they didn't do anything to them. Of course. Of course. I mean, uh, you know, it, it's a worrisome thing when the police say, we side with Antifa. Right. That's exactly right. And I think when you look at Antifa, and I don't believe that there's tens of thousands of Antifa people out there, but I think that there's enough, and when they show up, they get enough uh, publicity that they could end up being tens of thousands, and I don't believe they're pushing for socialism. I believe that uh, they're like the people in the Bolshevik Revolution. I think they're pulling for whole, pushing for wholesale communism. Well, they really do want to, I heard a quote, to, I think today you played on the radio, where uh, you heard uh, President Obama then say, uh, when he won, I don't know which election, the first or second, but get ready for, for fundamental change to America. That would have been the first. That's the first. I'm not looking for fundamental change to America. No. I'm always looking to improve. Right. Look, we're whole human. We all are flawed. Uh, um, so there's always room for improvement. So I'm always looking to improve. I think we as a country can always improve. But fundamental wholesale change to America? No. No. This is the greatest nation, not only on Earth today, but in the history of humankind. Yeah. And what was his fundamental change i don't know men who say they're girls being able to go and get in the girls locker room or the girls restroom well i just saw uh, that's a pretty much a fundamental change that is a big change i'll say that i just saw a story recently someone sent me about uh, someone who is uh, biologically a male winning uh, a, a female sports uh, competition oh that's today right? i talked about it is that right? Bicycling. Is that right yeah. yeah the bicycling that was it that yeah. was it. I'll I mean, this is, you know, have we not gotten now so over the edge of ridiculousness? Again, you know, Dave, I come on your show all the time and I say, I am not looking to interfere with what people want to do in their own individual lives, right? Look at, look at that person yeah. in the middle there. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I, I'm giggling because there's two women and a man in the middle. Yeah. At least that's what it looks like let to me, me in the let picture. Me, let me right. read something to you yeah, real quickly go about ahead. this because I talked about this. Right. McKinnon is the guy's name. All right. right. Identifies as a woman. Right. Which, he's, again, fine. By the way, he, I don't care. He teaches, yeah, but he shouldn't be able to. He shouldn't be in a, competing in a women's competition. Women. That's right. right. He's teaching a class on ethics and inclusion. Right. And he, he said this, when it comes to extending rights to a minority population, why would we ask the majority? Quote, I bet a lot of white people were pissed off when we desegregated sports racially and allowed black people, but they had to deal well, with it. I'm not it. sure that's yeah. true, by the way. But here, here, here's, you love this. Here's what I said. And uh, you that are watching on uh, YouTube, you can do this. Or not YouTube, but on Facebook, you can do this. You who are driving, do not. Right. Close your eyes, and I want you to think that you're black. Okay, go. Mm -hmm. Think really hard. Really yeah. hard. Now, now whether, open your eyes, yeah, right? Whether yeah. you're white, Hispanic, Asian, American Indian, Indian from India or what? Okay, you open your eyes now. Right. Are you black? Yeah. Oh, what? You're the same color right. you were? Yeah, well, exactly. so just because you thought you were that, you didn't become that. And it's the same thing when you're a man and you say that you're a woman. You don't become a woman and all that extra testosterone and muscle mass can be used to beat 
other women and and I biological women. And so my statement about this is that those two women who have probably trained uh, all their lives uh, and lost, they probably would have been finished first and second if this guy hadn't been in it. I'd be totally ticked off. Well, and that's the point. And uh, I mean, I'll repeat what I said already. If he wants to characterize himself as whatever he wants to get, fine. But that doesn't entitle him to go. special treatment. That's right. That's exactly right. Uh, And I've told this story before. I dated a very nice woman who was a really competitive runner. And she came in very, at a very high score in some race. uh, And I said, oh, wow, that's incredible. And I know, at the time, I knew very, very little about running. And now I know only marginally more. And I said, oh, is that, so that's that's the best score of men and women? And she just sort of giggled. She said, no, no, no. The women compete against the women. The men compete against the men. Because it's just, you can't do it otherwise. The women, the top women will never beat the top men. Now, right. the top women will beat many men, including me, but yeah. I'm not a competitive runner. Right. She's a competitive runner, and she beat virtually all the women, but she said, no, I would I still would have been relatively high up in the men, but maybe like 50 or 100, not 3 or 9 or right, 12, right. right? And so it's just biology. And so should she then become 50th in the competition because some people decided that notwithstanding their their biology they view themselves differently fine view yourself that way i knock yourself out you want you want to wear different clothing knock yourself out you want to enter a competition no such luck one last thing yes sir he made the statement in the article that he thought it was uh, detrimental that they would try to force him to reduce his testosterone levels he doesn't have to reduce there his testosterone go. levels. Yeah. Go run in the man's race. That's exactly right. All right. Robert, thanks so much. Always good, Always my friend. Good. God bless. Good two hours with Robert Steinbach here on the Dave Ellswick Show. He gives us two hours every Monday here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Tomorrow, power panels in, and Jan Morgan joins us tomorrow right here on the Dave Ellswick Show at 2 o'clock. See you then. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.